When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Listen up, mucker feathers. If you just can't get enough of 83 weeks, we've got tons more waiting for you over at adfreeshows.com. Bonus episodes, all the archives with zero, yes, I said zero ads. Plus, we've got interactive events and experiences with yours truly. You can ask me anything. Chat one-on-one during our live locked and loaded events. And if you joined us in Chicago this year for Top Guy Weekend, we got to hang out the entire weekend weekend, and it was a blast. I can't wait for Top Guy Weekend 2022. Hey, want to hear me rip Greg Gagne, Vince Russo, and others a new one on our popular Eric Fires Back series? I eviscerate Twitter trolls on me tweet receipts, plus bonus watch-alongs and tons more. Do yourself a favor. Right now, Google the internet, and you won't find a better value in all of wrestling than over at adfreeshows.com. You not only get 83 weeks, but all of Conrad Thompson's podcasts early and ad-free and on video for as low as $9 a month. Come on, man. You can't beat it. Join the family today at adfreeshows.com. Hey y'all, it's Rebel with AEW. And when I'm not with the doctor helping her dominate the women's division, you can find me on adfreeshows.com every other Sunday, hosting my personal happy hour, Rebel's Happy Hour. And I would love for you to join me. It's an hour long of drinking, laughing, a little Q&A, maybe some guest surprises, and just chatting about whatever's on your mind. I promise it's a good time. And yes, it is all face to face. So do it now, do it today. Sign up at adfreeshows.com and become a top guy. And tell them Rebel sent you. Mwah. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com.
recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I am just awesome. Just ask me. <laughs> well, I'm Tell glad to hear awesome it. <laughs> Last I'm week, you good. were feeling the best in the world, but you're back amongst the living, dude. You're feeling better. I'm glad to hear it. Yep. Kicked out, and things are, uh, things are back to normal, so all good. Well, I don't know how much normal there is in wrestling, uh, before we get going with a really fun edition of nitro and God dang, I've had so much fun watching nitro from 96 and 97 with you. And we're going to keep that train on the track today. We're talking about super brawl seven fallout. One of the biggest shows of the entire year, 1997, we watched super brawl last week, check it out in the archives. If you missed it, I think it's one of the most stacked cards in WCW history. It is maybe the epitome of WCW in 1997, but the week before that we watched the go home edition, but last night, quote unquote on, on super brawl, we saw the macho man seemingly turn bad guy. He joined the NWO or so we think we're going to get more answers to those questions here today as we watch nitro from February 24th, 1997. So if you're going to watch with Eric and I, we encourage you to, uh, as Tony Schiavone says, get your peacock out. And go to season three, episode eight, February 24th, 1997. Uh, go ahead and press mute and then listen along as, uh, Eric and I try to entertain you, but boy, lots of moving parts in wrestling these days. I want to run through some, uh, some happening, some moving and shaking and, and just sort of get your feedback. A lot of folks were surprised to hear that, uh, Cesaro did not resign. And he is now officially a free agent. His old contract expired. He could show up on AEW as soon as this Wednesday. And I know a lot of folks are thinking he's automatically going to AEW. I think some other folks think, well, he might actually enjoy his time as a free agent and do a little here, do a little there. But after 11 years with the fed, he's a free man. Claudio Castagnoli is, uh, is out and, and, and amongst the living now. What do you expect to see from Cesaro outside of the confines of WWE? What? Eric, you make it sound like he like he escaped prison for God's sake. The internet, <laughs> man, social media, and myself included, man. I've been sitting in the Cesaro section since 2013. Super fan, felt like he had so much momentum when he won that Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 30. That was the first time we saw that. We didn't know is this going to be like King of the Ring was back in the day, and this is going to be the next guy. It felt like a moment that day in new Orleans. And then they did a little stop and start where they had Heyman with him for a cup of coffee and it just didn't work. Uh, in 2014, Vince McMahon sat down with stone cold, Steve Austin, and they did a little network special and Vince never does live interviews, but he did one there in 2014. And he asked about Cesaro and Vince ultimately gave him a promo the next week on TV. And a lot of folks didn't think it went well. And that was the end of that. Uh, he became a tag team wrestler, but boy, he racked up the accolades prior to that. He had been the U S champ, but since that he was seven time, I believe uh, tag team champion, a seven time tag team champion. But a lot of folks are saying, ah, he shouldn't be in a tag team. He should be a single guy. And, uh, even blue Meanie and I had a discourse online where he said, Hey, this is one of the biggest misses in WWE history. This guy should have been a multiple time world champion by now. And me being me, I'm devil's advocate. And I said, if he goes to AEW and doesn't become multiple, uh, a multiple time world champion there, would you also classify that as a miss? 
because I do think sometimes there's a double standard because the reality is not everybody can be world champ. No matter if he's champ or not, I hope he's happy, makes more money than ever and is creatively fulfilled. And I think that's what a lot of his fans are hoping for because they don't feel like he's been fulfilled creatively, whatever that may be. But now he's no longer dictated to, he gets to color outside the lines, so to speak. I'm interested to see what that is. Will it be new Japan? Will it be impact? Will it be whatever ring of honor is going to do? Will it be the NWA or will it just be the, the fast track to AEW? What would you like to see Eric? You know, I don't know Cesaro well enough. I, I, socially we've interacted quite a bit when I was in WWE and he is just a classy, classy guy and really nice person to be around. He's positive. Every time I saw him, he had a smile on his face backstage. Um, you know, I'm more interested in why, you know, why did, why did he never reach what everybody thinks his potential is in WWE? Is it because he couldn't? really excel on the mic? I don't know, but I'd really be curious. You know, I'm sure at, at some point in time down the road, we'll be able to pick Bruce's brain and, and find out exactly what it is because he has all the goods, right? He's got a great look. He's great in the ring. Um, he, he looks like a movie star, you know, he could be in a James Bond movie, yeah. you know, that kind of a, it's just a great character, but there's a reason why he never made it to the top. And I don't know what that is. Curious to find out. But look, I, I, here's another thing. 11 years in WWE, Cesaro's made a boatload of money. And I think it's really interesting because as fans, we all, you know, we, we're always talking about debating, you know, who should be on top, right? Who deserves it? The, 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 the fan base's favorite word, he deserves it. Mm. Well, you don't deserve anything. You earn it, you know, you, you based on any number of factors. But for whatever reason, you know, Cesaro didn't make it to the top. He didn't make, you know, world champion money for sure. But he's been making great money for 11 years. He may not want to wrestle anymore. Oh, How old is Cesaro? Do you know? 41. He wants to wrestle. He wants to wrestle. Yeah. Okay. Well then look, the obvious place is AEW. That's where the money is. I mean, you threw out, you know, ring of honor. Are they even in business? We don't even know. Well, my, um, my point is, I think you could, I mean, you take a look at a guy like Matt Cardona who has been able to go around and, and sort of do his own thing creatively, be his own boss. And he's the NWA world champion. He was the GCW champion. He's got a title from impact. He's, he's clearly having a lot of fun and he's getting to really be his own boss. And man, I, I really hope that that becomes a trend in wrestling because it feels old school. It feels territorial where you're no longer beholden to somebody who hands you a sheet of paper and says, Hey, here's what it's going to be. A guy like Cesaro could say, Hey, I want to go do this for a while. And then I want to do that. And I think, I don't know that he's going to, but you and I even freestyle before Daniel Bryan ultimately wound up with AEW. What if he did some stuff with AAA? What if he did some stuff with new Japan? What if he did some stuff with ring of honor? What if he won the NWA world title and then go to AEW? I don't think you can do both. And I would hate to see him rush right into doing something else that sort of boxes him in, man, go live out your dream and do exactly what you want to do for a year. And you know, AEW is always going to be there. I mean, in theory, uh, yeah. but, but, but right now, like it does feel like there's been so many 
you know, Tony Khan has rolled out one big surprise signing after another. And this feels like it could just be quote unquote, just another one. I don't well, think and here's, here's another thing. And again, this is going to sound like I'm, you know, taking a shot at AEW. I'm not, I'm sure I'm on, believe it or not. But if I'm Cesaro and I'm looking at AEW, do I really want to go there right now? I mean, you could great. I mean, you sign, you get big money and you're going to be the next big thing. Or you're going to be the new shiny object in AEW for a night. And then after you make your debut, what happens? Christian, you know, what, what happens? Jay lethal. What happens? You go there and you disappear after your first big debut. And it's because it's not a bad thing. It, well, it is. If you're a talent, you want to perform. Um, but there's a lot of talent right now in AEW, a lot of talent. And not everybody's getting a lot of TV time. So if, you, if you've been in WWE and you're leaving because you just haven't been able to break out of the pack and get that kind of top guy push, what makes you think it's going to be any different in AEW right now? Because it's got such a crowded roster of top guys is, is, is Cesaro that guy that's going to be different than everybody else that's come in over the last year? I, maybe. And if he is, then great, that would be a good move. But if I'm Cesaro, if I'm a Cesaro's agent, I would go the route that you just described, especially if I'm right. And Cesaro's saved his money and, and isn't dependent on, you know, the income necessarily. Um, take a year and build your equity, build your stock by going to Japan, traveling around, go to Europe, you know, spend some time in the UK. If there's anything going on there, I don't even know if there is right now, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Do your own thing. Go to Mexico, get, make a name for yourself. Take a little time off, wait for the dust to settle on the AEW just a little bit. When you're not coming in as one of, 25 people that have been brought in as the new, the next big thing uh, or big surprise, let the dust settle a little bit and then take your shot. That would make sense to me, but you know, it all depends on what his goals are. You know, he's 41 years old. He's not young. Well, he's not old hang on now. That's not old at all. Like Jericho's no. Jericho's 10 no. years older than him. Yeah. But Jericho's been on top for the last 25 years, or close to it, 20 years. If Cesaro wants to break through the middle, which is where he's been stuck for whatever reason, I'm not sure going to AEW is the best way to get out of that right now, just again, because of the density of top talent that exists there. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. 
Hey, so real quick, I was talking to a longtime friend of the show last week, and he told me that he tried to refinance and save with Conrad.com last year, but we weren't able to help him because we weren't licensed in his state yet. Now that was Massachusetts. We are licensed there now. In the meantime, though, he went to one of those big national companies that you've seen on TV. He got an absolutely great rate, but he was explaining to me that, man, he had this big RS bill coming and uh, things were a little tight. He had these credit card balances that had been hanging around for years and he had these two car payments. And I said, wait, 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 what do you owe on your house? And he told me, and I said, what do you think your house is worth? And he said, well, it's a lot more now. And he told me, and I said, dude, I've got just the plan. Just last year, he signed up for a 20 year loan at a great rate. Now we've been able to get him down to 10 years. That's right. 10 years. He's going to own his house free and clear in just 10 years. And I know what you're thinking, man, I can't afford to do that. I would argue you can't afford not to. Here's what I'm talking about. He's got a three-year-old and an eight-year-old in 10 years. His kids are going to be 13 and 18. And if life goes according to plan, what do we hope happens when our kids graduate high school? They go off to college and that's very expensive. The time to think about how you're going to pay for college isn't when your kids are seniors in high school. It's time to get a long-term plan for your finances. And I don't just mean your income, but I mean your debt. Here's what we did. We took a look at what his monthly payments were on both of his car payments and we compared the balances. Then we did the same with the credit cards. And by the way, he told me he felt stuck. He had been making minimum payments for years. He felt like they'd made no headway in at least five years. This credit card debt had just hung around at a crazy high interest rate, but maybe worst of all, now he had this big IRS bill. What was he going to do? He went to save with Conrad.com and how's this for starters? No payments for two months. That's the cash infusion he needed for his family right now. But more importantly than that, he cut nine years off of his loan. He went from 19 years left down to just 10 years and his monthly payments went down. Yes, he got a better interest rate. He got rid of all of his credit card debt and he got rid of his car payments. But most importantly, he's completely debt free by the time his kids start getting really expensive. You know what I'm talking about? If you've got young kids, you probably think, man, these little dudes are expensive. Wait until they start driving cars and going to college. We're going to help you get a solution for your short-term goals, which is to free up some of that cash flow. We're talking a break from payments for two months, but more importantly, lower monthly payments. But more importantly, it's going to check your box long-term. He cut nine years off of his loan. Now, had he not done that, both of his kids would have been going to college and dude, nobody wants to pay a mortgage and college tuition for two. Get in front of this, make a plan with savewithconrad.com and do it right now. Interest rates are on the rise. The Fed is going to raise the rates. And who knows what's going to happen with real estate values? Lord knows we've all seen that bubble burst before. Make the best decision you can for your family with my family. Savewithconrad.com is routinely helping our podcast listeners change their life. I know it sounds silly. It sounds too good to be true, but it's real and we can do it for you. We're probably licensed in your state. We're in over 40 states now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And here's the thing, man. If you give us a call and you've got a great rate and you don't have any other debt and you're already in a 15 year loan, we might say, Hey man, you got a good deal. Just keep doing what you've been doing. But don't you want the peace of mind of knowing you've got the best deal for your family? This is the perfect opportunity. Your house is worth more than ever. Rates are on the rise right now. And if you've got debt, lock it in right now at SaveWithConrad.com. And I want to mention, had he not had this conversation with us last week, 
he would have been stuck making those minimum payments on those credit cards and maybe even worse had to open a new credit card to pay the irs dude that is a bad decision you know you can do better than that get the best rate you've ever had get out of debt faster keep more of your own money at savewithconrad.com time to tell you about something i'm super passionate about protecting your family Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance, if you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. The other crazy news that, uh, everybody's talking about right now that I can't believe is real is there's a report out that Vince McMahon is going to have a WrestleMania program with Pat McAfee. I saw that this morning. I wanted to ask you about that. How old is Vince? He's 10 years old in Miami. He's 76 years old. Yes, he's 76 years old. And I assume that this will not wind up being a match and that Austin Theory will step in and it'll be Austin Theory and Pat McAfee and and maybe Vince is just the garnish. But the idea that he's going to have any physicality inside the ring at 76 is like, what? It's awesome. It's awesome. I, it's, I love it. It's crazy, but it's awesome. <laughs> uh, the other big news, uh, I guess, is... Uh, Logan Paul is, is slated for WrestleMania. Now we saw him on Monday night raw a week ago is going to be teaming up with the Miz to take on the Mysterios, or at least that's the way it looks right now. Logan Paul, big time influencer, uh, in social media, YouTube, and obviously uh, has become a, a boxing pay-per-view superstar, even though he's never won a boxing match, he still fought Floyd Mayweather and, uh, it generated a ton of buys. I don't think Logan has still been paid from that, but that's a story for another day. But still, they're trying something new outside of the box. Um, I like the use of celebrities, especially when it's done like this. What say you? I do too. I mean, look, Logan's entertaining as hell. Yes. His brother. Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Now, he's a, leg- he's a legit boxer. Yes. He's, well, he's, he's working on it. No, he's well, <laughs> yeah, he's working on it. But yes. I mean, he's taking it seriously. Yes. I, I think Logan was in it for the money and the entertainment, which there's nothing wrong with that. No, I could get away with it. I'd do it too. Um, but Logan is an entertainer. I don't, I don't what is the social media fan base? He's got to be in the five, 6 million or whatever it is. Oh, that's, it's, that's it's a, gigantic. I mean, he, he became a lot of power. 
he became a YouTube star. Uh, well, I mean, I guess before that he was, he's got 22 million followers on Instagram. Let me just put it like that. <laughs> 22 million so, yeah, on Instagram. It, so yeah, it makes sense. It, it, and look, if he, if he's going at it to have a great time and to be entertaining, he's going to be surrounded by talent who can camouflage his lack of abilities in the ring and make him look better than he really is. And it'll be fun. It'll be entertaining. It'll get the word out to a bunch of people that may not, might not otherwise be interested in WrestleMania. It makes all the sense in the world. Don't take it. Please don't anybody take it too seriously. Please, please don't rate the match. (laughs) Just ask yourself if you had fun watching it. If you had fun, then it was a great idea. It's remarkable how big his YouTube channel is. I mean, just by comparison, he has 23 million subscribers to his YouTube. WWE has 86. So this is a guy, a guy who has 23 million. And this is a 50 year old corporation in a hundred different languages with this global legacy. And they have 86 million. So So he's got about 20, he's got about 20 or 25% of their social media. Yeah, more so. And and it's a dude, it's a single dude. So it's interesting to think, you know, what WrestleMania is going to look like, but it feels like it's official now. Uh, Ash Charlotte flair will be taking on Ronda Rousey, uh, on night one of WrestleMania. So that's official. I'm excited about that. You and I are going to be in Dallas and we're going to talk about why here in a moment, and then we're going to uh, hit play, but I think it's kind of interesting the the situation they're in with Rhonda and, 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 uh, Charlotte, because Charlotte is hated. I mean, boo city, there's nothing likable about her. The fans want nothing to do with her, but they're, they are booing the hell out of Rhonda Rousey. So it feels like it's prime for maybe let's flip flop it. Maybe let's let Charlotte be the baby face, which maybe the only person who could make that possible is Rhonda Rousey. And let Ronda Rousey be the heel because we want to boo her anyway. So if that's the case, what would you do, Eric? Would you try to position Charlotte as the baby face and she's here to get rid of Ronda Rousey and make her the heel? Or is that just not the way Vince will approach it because of Ronda's mainstream celebrity? I don't know. This one, this, this is a curious one to me. I, I, first of all, I, to answer your first question, I would not, I'd keep Charlotte a heel. Yeah. You, you, you need real heels with real heat and heels that are comfortable having heat. That's hard to come by. Yeah. Right. Change course because of one match at WrestleMania with a woman who's probably not going to be around five minutes after WrestleMania is over. Well, in theory now, just so you know, I think the plan is she's going to stay at least through next year's WrestleMania, but we know how those plans change. But I think the idea is she'd be here at the Dallas WrestleMania and she would be there next year for the LA WrestleMania, but I'm with you. Yeah. But I mean, what, what happens in between? Exactly. What's she going to do for the next 12 months? Sit at home? Well, no, she's going to supposedly she'll be here working. Uh, but I, like you, am not so sure that a a big star like Ronda Rousey wants to be, if she's not having fun, she's going to bail. I'm I, I've never felt good about Ronda Rousey. Not as a person. Okay. Just when she first came into WWE, you know, she was, she got over, it was a, kind of a cool thing. 
but I've never gotten the impression. And it's just an impression from watching on television. I've never even met Rhonda. I don't sense that she really enjoys it. I don't think she likes being booed. Clearly. And that, but you know, I mean, I'm looking at her in the ring and you, she's not an actress, right? No, no. She's, she's not. So what you see is really what you get. Mm-hmm. In terms of the way she carries herself, she's yeah. not trying to be anything else. She doesn't have the ability to be. So she's very raw in that sense. And I'm, when I'm watching her, I'm, I'm looking at somebody that is just not happy to be in the role she's in. She's not happy being in that ring. She's doing it and probably for very good reason. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm, I don't get the feeling that she digs it. I really don't. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't change too much to accommodate her presence because I wouldn't bank on it. I, well, just wouldn't. I don't think she's going to be a draw. If she's going to be an everyday thing, if we're going to see her every Monday night or every Friday night, it'll be to diminishing stock, returns. Yeah. Her stock is going to go down real fast, real fast. And why would you sacrifice a heel quality of a heel in Charlotte for someone who? may or may not be around. And if she does stick around, her stock's going to drop precipitously. So what cool a, word precipitously. So, so what, if, what if Charlotte is still a heel, but she's going to do the Lord's work and run Ronda Rousey out of here where she's still cheating to win. And she's still, you know, beating up other baby faces along the way. Um, but the fans are going to get behind her. I think in her beating For up Ronda night. Rousey. Yeah. For that night, and Charlotte's such a great heel. She could do that. That she'll she'll get her heat back twenty minutes after it's over. Yeah. She, the next night on TV, next time you see her, she'll get her heat back, and everything will be fine. I just I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with it. It's working. There's not a lot of heels in the industry right now. Who's yeah. a heel? Charlotte, MJF. Well, I'm glad you said that because this week, boy, MJF cut a babyface promo from hell. I don't know that you saw it. But he told a, a, a real life story and it was funny because I was uh, randomly watching it with Megan this week, uh, which is not the norm as you know, at my house. And I, I looked at her and I said, wait, this is the real story. Uh, because I had, I had met him before, right before he called me Turkey tits and put gum on my forehead and all that at the kickoff for AW, whatever. Uh, I thought before that we had a nice moment. Anyway, he told me this real story in real life. And so now that I, I see it on TV and he's legit crying tears on TV, it's like, this is a baby face promo. And then there was CM Punk's reaction. And so uh friend of the show, Matt Coon says, Hey man, this is going to be a double turn. Punk's going to go heel. MJF's going to be a baby face. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet because MJF has done such a masterful job as a heel. But that felt like a baby face promo. What say you? Well, it's definitely a baby, baby face promo. He's playing possum. No. Wow. What a, what a great way to get even more heat is to come out and spill your guts with a true story and to bring all that emotion and get people on your side only to turn around and fuck them again. <laughs> that's, that's where my heart lies. You got so that's, excited just saying it. I could see it in your face. I, I just, I, I really, I'm getting chill bumps. I just, it's it, the potential. Either way it goes. Like I'm a huge MJF fan. I mean, yeah. a huge MJF fan, 
<clears throat> and he'll be great at whatever he decides to do. But man, I hope he double fucks us. I hope he, <laughs> I hope he takes that sympathy and has everybody in the palm of his hand and just crushes their souls and discards them. That would be amazing. Looking for a great Mother's Day or Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind, beautiful hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word weeks to 87204. That's weeks to 87204. Text weeks to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Man, I love talking about chili sleep. It's been a game changer in my life. I'm telling you, as you're listening to this, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. Uh, my wife's birthday's coming up. We're going to go out of town for a few days. And something I did this last year is add chili sleep to my life. I'm sleeping better than ever. So much so that uh, I have to admit, they actually hooked us up with a chili sleep to try it out. But I wanted the big daddy. I went back and got the double side and I used our promo code to save some cash. So now Megan and I both have a chili sleep, but when we go on the road, buddy, now I've got a travel chili sleep. That's right. I have two chili sleeps. Why in the world do I have two chili sleeps? Because it's that good. I don't want to go on vacation and not get the best sleep of my life. That's when I really want that sleep. I want chili sleep with me, man. It's a part of my life. Science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering your core body temperature. Temperature controlled sleep restores your testosterone levels. It repairs your muscles after a hard day's work and it improves your cognitive function. So you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Now, chili sleep makes customizable climate controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Check this out. Chili sleep makes the Uller and the cube sleep system, hydropower temperature controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chili sleep can make that happen. For an extra layer of comfort, they also make the chili blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash 83 weeks to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for 83 weeks listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com slash 83 weeks to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up feeling refreshed every day. Check it out, guys. I love this so much so I gave one for Christmas. You're welcome, Cassio and Judy. It's chillysleep.com forward slash 83 weeks. It's Monday. You know what that means. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us, Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets 
that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder and stronger erections to combat all forms of ED. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door, all in a discreet package. Now, the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com, and then you'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, well, you'll receive your prescription within a few days. Now, the best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and the right strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? Well, that's no problem here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. They prepare and ship direct, so they're cheaper than a pharmacy. If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free. Use our promo code 83weeks at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is 83weeks to receive your very first month for free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. I can't wait. Uh, the pay-per-view is going down this Wednesday or this, uh, Saturday, right? Fuck. I'll get it. Eventually this Sunday, Jesus, that was hard. Uh, Wednesday, we don't know what's going to happen, but Tony Khan has been promising a big announcement. I want to come back to that Friday night, big time show in Orlando. Saturday is the AEW fan fest. Sunday is the pay-per-view pretty stacked card, but boy, it led to a pretty heated debate in my group chat. Uh, lots of folks in my group chat. Well, two specifically, uh, Mark Nielsen, who has the worst takes in the history of wrestling and Matt Coon think it's Adam Cole's time. And they think Adam Cole is going to be the guy, uh, to lead AEW to the next level. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, and, 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 and they're done with, uh, with hangman Adam page. They think that his build to the champ championship run and, the, and, and, and winning the title was phenomenal, but maybe it's been a little less than since. I really enjoyed his match that he had, uh, on TV. That was a bloodbath a few weeks ago with Jake, the snake on the outside and, and Lance Hoyt on the inside. But what do you think? Could you see Adam Cole being the flag bearer for AEW? No disrespect at all to Adam. Cause I think he's a cool guy and I think he's a great talent. I just think it's premature. I just don't think it's there yet. I wouldn't want it. If I was Adam Cole, I'd, I'd, I'd say, yeah, maybe not now, Tony. Let's talk about it in six months or a year. I just don't think he's over enough. To, oh, to- well, I think he's over with that crowd. My concern is, is he over enough, uh, with the quote unquote mainstream? Because on some That's level, what I mean. you and I agree, like, and this isn't popular, but this is at least in my perspective. And I think yours reality, your hardcore AEW fans, they're going to watch every week. And I'm not saying you want to necessarily become WWE and maybe take that hardcore viewer for granted. Cause I do think at times they do. Uh, but at the same time, I think what AEW is looking for is who can be a star that, you know, can get us some mainstream press, can get our name out there, can really help us level up. And I just think if you look around, I don't know that I would go with Adam Cole right now. I'm with you. I think I, I've never met Adam. All my friends who know him say he's the nicest guy ever. Can't wait to meet him one day. His, his matches are incredible. No one would argue that he was the bright star of NXT when the Wednesday night wars were a thing, but it is interesting now that the guys who got their ass beat on Wednesday night 
when they were working for WWE are all on the AEW side and on that program. Like to me, um, I know there's value. I know they can all be providers and players. And I, I believe in Adam Cole. And I, I kind of thought he was probably going to stick around with WWE. It didn't work here. He is. I could see him tearing it up with Sammy Guevara for the TNT title, but I don't know if we're making that world title quote unquote special that I would so quickly go right to Adam Cole. I think I'm with you on that. Yeah. And again, if I was Adam's agent or business manager, I would just tell him, man, be patient. Don't, yeah. don't do it now because here's, here's the risk. He gets that opportunity. Tony Khan decides, okay, this is my guy. Let's put it on him. If it doesn't work, will you get another they, shot? Yeah. Th- then you're a failed champion. Yes. Guess what? It'll be a long time before you get it again. Yeah. If I'm Adam Cole, I would rather keep building my equity, build my equity, make the audience want to see me get that position and get that opportunity, make them demand it, make the audience want it more than, than Adam does. If I'm Adam Cole, I want the audience to want it more for me than I do. That's when you do it because then you're going to probably be pretty successful. But even though you've got a percentage of the audience, that hardcore loyal, whatever you want to call it, AEW audience that are going, yay, Adam, yay, Adam, yay, Adam. Two months from now, they'll be going, yay, somebody, give, give us somebody else, give us somebody else. That's the appetite of that hardcore audience. Yeah. And I, I, I just don't. If I'm Adam Cole, I don't want that title right now. Real, real quick. And then we'll move on. Two more things I want to touch on one. There is what everyone always talks about. The only negative that anybody can ever say about Adam Cole. It's not that he's not a nice guy. It's not that he's not respected by his peers. It's not that he's unsafe. It's not that he doesn't have great matches. It's not that he's not a strong promo. It's not that he's not over. He checks all those boxes. The only thing that people can be critical of is his physical presentation. Is he tall enough? Is he muscular enough? Does he have the right look? But there've been so many guys who succeeded around that. They quote unquote overcame that or whatever phrase you want to use. But I'm wondering, is that going to be a hindrance? I know it's not to our hardcore fan base because we recognize we're in the wrestling bubble. I know some people hate that phrase, but we get how talented this guy is. And we saw it in ring of honor. We saw it in NXT and now we're seeing it in AEW. So it's not a fluke that he's been successful all three places. But I think when you take a look at the landscape right now, as you and I are talking in February or the very end of February, 2022, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and perhaps Adam Cole are going to be your big three champions. And I think about way back when they were after mags and you go to the back and you see those top 10 rankings, and these are your representative of your champions. I just wonder if a casual wrestling fan, like my dad saw Adam Cole and some of the other world champions, would he say, what would his response to that be? And, and I can also say my dad's 60 something years old. Maybe he's a little antiquated in his thinking about what wrestling can be, because I remember being in a, in an arena once where Ray Mysterio was wrestling Dave Batista. And there was an older guy behind me who said that guy, what the hell is that guy doing here? He's going to kick the shit out of that guy. And I'm thinking in my head in real life, Ray Mysterio can wrestle his ass off way more than Batista can, but I get the optics and I'm wondering from a mainstream, we're trying to grow the optics is going with Adam Cole right now. So new into his run, a little premature from that standpoint too. Would that be something that would hold him back or potentially hold AEW back 
or is it all just naysayers who don't believe in the talent? Maybe like they didn't with Ray Mysterio once upon a time. I, I don't think size is as important today as it was. Yeah. You know? I agree. But it's still a factor. You're still, you're a larger than life character yeah. on television. That's what makes wrestling work. You're, you're larger than, and I don't mean necessarily just physically, but you've got a presence that on television makes you unique and different. And therefore in a way, aspirational for the viewer. Now on television, you can cam up, look at Tom Cruise, you know, how many action movies has Tom Cruise been in? He's a little dude. You could pick him up and put him in your pocket and take him for a walk. That's true. It's exactly true. But, but in film and even in scripted television, they, they can make you appear larger than you really are. They surround you with actors and actresses who are not going to make you look small, who aren't going to exacerbate your physical limitations in terms of size. You can't do that as easily in wrestling, right? So you you got Adam Cole, you, he's a world champion in AEW, and who's he going to work with? They bring in Cesaro. How does that look? And it's different than the Rey Mysterio example because Rey Mysterio was it was Samson and Goliath. Yeah, that was it. that was it. It was the little. It was so obvious. We did the same thing with Kevin Nash and Mysterio. It was so obvious that Ray got over for having the courage to get in there and fight, right? I guess a guy who's obviously bigger than him. It's a classic story. It goes back to the Bible. Come on, get it. But day in and day out, to have that constant comparison on television could be a challenge. I don't know. I don't know if the audience is ready for it. And going back to what you, I mean, you pointed this out, not me. AEW has got to grow their business. Yes, they haven't thus far. Now they're 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 inching up, you know, since NXT is no longer head to head. Dynamite's been, you know, they're probably 10%, 12% or so, I'm estimating, ahead of where they were this time last year. But they're still having a hard time consistently breaking a million viewers. It's up and down with a super loaded roster. At some point, they're going to need a world champion or two, a woman's champion, they're going to need somebody that's a legitimate larger-than-life star, not just physically, but larger-than-life to the, to the to a broader audience. Or they're going to have to accept the fact that AEW is basically a million viewers a week tops. And I don't think that's what they want to do. Maybe, maybe they're happy with that. Maybe, more importantly, maybe TBS is happy with that. And if they are, it doesn't really matter so much. But if they're not and they want to grow and they want to be doing a million five or they want to push, you know, Monday Night Raw in terms of ratings and get into that one six, one seven category, they got a long way to go. And they're going to need to focus on some larger than life type characters that are going to attract more than just the hardcore fan base that they currently have. So that brings us to uh, yet another big major Tony Khan announcement. Uh, this one he teased on busted open is not a talent. So I don't think it's Cesaro or whatever, but it does look as if there's going to be an announcement and that has been positioned as such where we're led to believe it is a major announcement for wrestling, which has a lot of people thinking, Hey, maybe it's a streaming deal. Maybe they're, they're finally going to do that HBO max thing. We've heard 
whispered about for a long time. What do you think is, is the big announcement and what would streaming add to the AEW presentation? If that's it. I don't know. You know, I I'd be foolish to try to guess what it would mean to AEW from a financial point of view. Cause I just, I'm not familiar enough with the opportunity and the type of potential that it could bring. I mean, I'm assuming it would be a big financial opportunity. How big? I don't know. But if that's the case, congratulations. That's growth. That's growing your business. That's what AEW needs right now is to grow their, their business. And if that's it, if it's a streaming platform and it's a way to grow your business financially, as well as perhaps uh, introduce your product to an audience who isn't already watching it. Congratulations, Tony. I think it's a great opportunity. Beyond that, I wouldn't begin to guess what else it could be. If it's anything other than a major streaming opportunity or financial opportunity, whether it's streaming or otherwise, um, I hope it's really, really big because a lot has been made. We've created a lot of anticipation. It's another huge news, earth shattering news. The world wrestling world is going to change forever type of, you know, announcement. And I hope it does for Tony's sake and for AEW's sake, because you can only have so many of these false starts by false start. I mean, you know, earth shattering news is going to change the rest. It's the Dixie con approach. Overpromote, overpromote. You said Dixie Con, but you mean Dixie Carter. I meant Dixie Carter. Sorry. <laughs> Fraudulent slip. Um, Freudian slip, I should say. Um, Dixie Carter did that all the time. And after a while, the audience just starts to gag. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's done that. I mean, I, 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 I'm, no, I'm not saying he's done it. That's what Dixie did. Yeah. Okay. But I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of that same type of pattern. Keith Lee. Keith Lee, huge announcement, huge announcement, huge announcement. This is going to be great. Big star coming. And he did. And he came and the people tuned in. What they do? Like 1.1, a little over 1.1 million viewers. And the next week they dropped down to about 750,000 because the audience was disappointed. You've got to be careful with that. This is, this is friendly advice, Tony. It really is. You're not going to like it because it may be inconsistent or maybe you don't want to hear it for whatever reason, but you've just got to be very careful about building up anticipation and not delivering to the extent of the hype. Um, and I hope this is a huge piece of news. I hope it's big financial gain for AEW, or even if it's a strategic move, and I don't know what that would be, but I just hope it's legit and I hope it's big and I hope it, meets the expectation that's being built for it. Otherwise it's going to be another, another in a series of overly promoted mismanaged hype. And that comes back to bite you in the ass eventually. What's up everyone. It's reality. Steve, your number one source for all things, bachelor nation and reality TV. Every day I'm giving you the behind the scenes juice and your info on all your bachelor nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The reality Steve podcast, part of the believe network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen. So if you have a pet 
you know they're part of the family. And Fuzzy knows there's nothing that compares to coming home to a wiggle butt or waking up to soft purrs. And that's why we want to keep our pets healthy and make them as happy as us. Fuzzy is a telehealth service for pet parents that offers 24-7 access to personal pet care from veterinary professionals. From everyday questions to middle-of-the-night emergencies, Fuzzy has the answers that pet parents need. Through live chat and virtual vet consultations available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Fuzzy can answer your pet questions, big and small, urgent and every day. Fuzzy can also recommend the exact right products for your pet, all of which are handpicked by their established team of veterinary professionals and available at discounts exclusive to Fuzzy members. From getting your pet's diet just right to meeting their middle of the night needs to finally figuring out what makes their breath smell that way. Nothing is too big or small for a quick fuzzy call. Right now, Fuzzy is offering our listeners a free seven-day trial membership. Go to yourfuzzy.com slash 83 weeks today to sign up. That's a free seven-day trial at yourfuzzy.com slash 83 weeks. And for a limited time, Fuzzy is also offering a special discount of $20 off any of your pet's product needs. Pet meds, supplements, food, and more with promo code 83 weeks. That's yourfuzzy.com slash 83 weeks for your free trial of fuzzy with access to 24 seven personalized pet care and vet recommended products. Hey, here's a heads up. CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel like stress, anxiety, or pain feels is a better way to feel better. And if you're struggling with sleeplessness or nervousness, or just looking to relieve some pain. Without the harmful side effects, we recommend Feels. Feels is a premium CBD that will help you keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free and delivered directly to your door. CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness, and there's no hangover or addiction. You place a few drops of Feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. Now, the thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important, and really, everyone's dose is different. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you can find your perfect dose. The Feels customer service team is dedicated to making sure that you get the best use out of your CBD. Joining the Feels monthly membership makes your self-care easy. You'll save time and money on every order, and you can pause or cancel anytime. So start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash 83 weeks, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels.com slash 83 weeks to become a member and get 50% off automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That's feels.com slash 83 weeks. That's F E A L S.com slash 83 weeks. That's feels.com slash 83 weeks. I think the only time that that happened in actuality was the Christian announcement. Uh, we both think a lot of Christian, I think you could argue he's the best wrestler in AEW. He just doesn't get much of an opportunity to show it. Uh, Brian Danielson is probably my favorite wrestler in AEW, but Lord, how can you underestimate how good Christian is at everything he does and has done his entire career? He is the perennial underdog and he's been overlooked and disrespected and disregarded. And I'm, I'm glad he's in AEW. But at the same time, I think even now it's been weeks since he wrestled on TV. Uh, he doesn't get nearly as much TV time as we would like, but that's the problem when you have that many great talent 
and there's so only so much time to go go around anyway. And and and, and one last thing, and then we should get into the show. And then you take Christian is a great example. You know, oh, Christian's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Okay, he showed up. Wow, everybody's excited. Big deal. People tuned in. And then he disappears. And you say, well, he, he was on TV a couple of weeks ago. Just being on television doesn't keep your fan base satisfied. If he's not in a story, if you take someone like Christian or Cesaro, if he comes in, or CM Punk or any of them, now CM Punk's you know, in stories, so that's, that's not a good example. But any top talent that you bring in, just putting them on TV to check the, yep, he's been on TV box, isn't going to satisfy the audience. Like Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal is a prime perfect example. example. Yeah. Perfect. Another perfect example. What I wanted to give the example of though, or the story is I was in Jacksonville when they did the whole Omega Moxley barbed wire explosion match. And that's the show where Christian came in and it had been teased as this is one of Tony Khan's favorite wrestlers. He's a hall of fame wrestler, blah, 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 blah. The people seated right behind me. I'm in the stands watching the show. The people right behind me were having a debate. Is it John Cena or is it Brock Lesnar? We know it's one of them. It's John Cena or it's Brock Lesnar. And so they had another mystery thing happen that night where there was another guy who was sort of a mystery to be in the slider match for the brass ring. And it wound up being Ethan page, uh, who you and I both think a lot of great performer, really talented guy, but we had teased this other announcement as, you know, Tony's one of Tony's favorite wrestlers, hall of famer, da, 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 da. Behind me, there was a heated debate. Is it John Cena or is it Brock Lesnar? And then when it's Christian, it's, it deflated them because the reality is it, the, the expectation was set so high that almost anything would be a disappointment if they had flip-flopped and maybe not had the announcement, but if Christian was the mystery guy in that ladder match, we'd still be talking about one of the biggest pops in the pandemic era. People would have went bananas. And by the way, it's the same guy, the same show but it's the way it was positioned. And, and I think as a result, I don't think that Tony Khan has done that since he had a big announcement and it was a big signing and it was teased and promoted. But I think this past time, everybody kind of figured out, okay, it's Keith Lee or it's killer cross, or it's one of those guys. But when it was teased the first time, when Christian came in literally behind me for the whole course of the show, it's John Cena. I can, I know it is. Uh, no, it's Brock Lesnar. I know it is. And, and it was Christian. Again, not saying that Christian isn't a Christian's a better wrestler than both of those guys, but in their mind, they had their, their heart set on. It's one of these multiple time WrestleMania main eventers. And it wasn't, it was Christian, but if he would have came out at a different time in that show as the mystery and the guy in the ladder match, whew, place would have or been just show up without, without the tease. And yes. that's, you know, that's another side of this. You can, you don't have to announce that there's going to be a big surprise. Yes. Sarsa. Is counterintuitive, right? Yeah. It's 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 like telling, hey, don't be surprised if there's a big surprise for your birthday. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you want to surprise somebody, <laughs> surprise them. Yeah. And it would actually have more. And here's the interesting thing. And I did this and I had success with it. So I, I really believe in this. Is the temptation, especially because you're chasing that rating, you want to get that big pop. You want to build anticipation. That is natural. And it's, it's not necessarily the wrong thing to do, but it's the wrong thing to do all the time. Yeah. And there's a way a Keith Lee would have had more impact and his stock would have gone up. If he would have just shown up in action in the middle of a match, cut a promo and said, motherfuckers, I am here and I'm here to stay. 
that would get a better reaction long-term than teasing and hyping. And, and you would don't run the risk yeah. of a Christian cage mistake, right. Of overhyping and under delivering. Sometimes just break it up. Sometimes just let these announcements happen. Don't tease everything you do because the one or two things are going to happen. The audience is either going to get numb to it because they hear it so often it loses its impact or worse, the Christian cage example where you build it up, you build it up and people go, Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. Cause that's human nature, right? We want to get excited. We want to, our imaginations begin to run wild for us. Oh, it could be this it could be that maybe it's Bill Goldberg. He's a free agent. <gasps> Ooh. And then when it's not, it's something different. You, you run the risk of what you just described. So, Hey, sometimes just let the, use the Lex Luger model, just have them show up. And that people still talk about Lex Luger showing up yep. unannounced on, on nitro still talk about it. 25, 26 years later, it works. So one more thing, uh, before we get into the show, um, I want to talk about Brian cage. I don't know that you saw, but Brian cage recently had his option picked up by Tony Khan. He's going to be sticking around AEW, and it's rumored that that was even a shock to Brian cage because candidly, Brian cage hadn't been used a lot on TV. So it felt like maybe the bloom was off the rose in that relationship. And then what do you know? He winds up being renewed. So he's not leaving. And I think a lot of folks assumed that he would not be returning. And when a guy like that, who has not been used is renewed, I think that might be the first time I thought, wait a minute, maybe this really is an AEW WWE war because I couldn't help, but wonder if Tony hadn't been utilizing him a lot in AEW. And I'm sure creatively, Mr. Cage probably wasn't thrilled either with the way he had been used. I don't know. Uh, he's a super nice guy, but we're not friendly. We don't talk or anything. I mean, we are friendly, but we don't talk or anything. I'm saying all that to say, I wondered, is that option renewed from a man? We got to have him because he's a big part of our program when clearly he has not been, or is it more of a, I don't want this guy to slip through my fingers, show up over there and they do more with him. Because I could totally see Brian Cage doing something with, uh, I don't know, Kevin Owens or Bobby Lashley or whoever. And I thought maybe he doesn't want him to have success outside of here. Much like folks said about WCW when Cactus Jack was gone or Stone Cold was gone or on and on. What do you think of? I, I don't think, I don't think it's either one of those. What do you think? I, of I, think it, I think it has a lot more to do with, look, I think Tony is pretty sensitive to social media. Yeah. He, he look, you know, I mean, we've seen it, right? He he's very, very he's a sensitive guy. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. No. It's an admirable quality in many respects. Yes. But I think losing Cody. Ah, I see. And then have another one leaving. It begins to from a social media perspective, it's starting to look like the wheels are falling off. Or maybe there's more trouble in paradise than we know. Mm. Tony doesn't want that right now. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't either. I think it has a lot more to do with Cody leaving than probably a real war or worrying about what WWE is going to do with him. It's interesting to think about the parallels though, man, because that feels very Monday night war era. Does it not? This guy left. We can't let this guy go. 
I mean, you think about what happened with the whole big contract that Vince offered Brett to stay. Uh, that was this 20 year deal, da, 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 da. But it was on the heels of, uh, Waltman's over there and Nash is over there and Hall's over there. God dang, they can't get Brett too. Let's do whatever it takes to sign him. And I'm not comparing Brian cage and Brett Hart, but I am saying if the Cody thing was maybe the first shot across the bow, Ooh, I don't want any more of that. Let me see what I can do to keep that from happening. Yeah, I think that's probably, I, I think that's as much it as anything else. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we're talking about surprises. We're talking about hype. We're talking about promotion anticipation. We did a whole little, who's the third man campaign and talk about a swerve brother. It's going to be Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, myself, and Jeff Hardy, the charismatic enigma. Nobody would have called that. Nobody would have. They said, oh, it'll be Bruce. Oh, it'll be Jr. Oh, it'll be Tony. Uh-uh. Jeff freaking Hardy is going to be joining all of us on April fool's day, but this is not an April fool's joke. It's April 1st at Gillies in Dallas, right after WrestleCon ends. Come on over to Gillies, do a happy hour with myself. Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, and of course, Jeff Hardy, get your meet and greet done, get your photos, your autographs, the whole deal. Got some exclusive swag for you. And then we're going to get on stage and have a little fun and we're not done. We've got other big surprises coming your way because we always like to have a special guest. And frankly, everyone is in Dallas. So you never know who might show up, but I know Jeff Hardy is, I saw nothing but great feedback for that dude. What'd you say? Yeah, I did as well. I haven't seen Jeff in a long time. Um, so I'll be, I'll, I'll be anxious to, to chat with him and get caught up and, and to be on stage with him, I think will be phenomenal. So I'm really looking forward to it. I, I can't believe you pulled that off. Actually. I was a little surprised. Um, no, I was a lot surprised, but, uh, grateful because I think it's going to be a, it'll be a fun evening. And I, the fans are going to get an opportunity to ask questions and get to know Jeff and see another side of Jeff. Jeff's a really interesting cat. He really, really is Jeff in yeah. his own words with a microphone in his hand, talking about what has happened and what will happen. It's all happening at supershowlive.com. Pick up your tickets right now. If you can't join us, by the way, if you're not going to make the trek to Dallas, no big deal. You can go ahead and pre-order the pay-per-view. And I think you're going to want to, because buddy, have we got a promotion coming your way? So, uh, go ahead and pre-order and you'll be piled in and you'll be glad you did. It's supershowlive.com. Stay tuned to all of our social media for more details. So you can watch this from anywhere in the world. Live as it happens. Live. You're going to be able to watch us on stage with Jeff Hardy and all the shenanigans that we, because look, our live shows are a little off the chain. Listen to me sounding so young. (laughs) Our live shows are fun, right? And you hear things that you probably wouldn't expect you're going to hear out of some people yeah, and to be able to be a part of it live. So if no matter where you are, you can be a part of it. That's awesome. Supershowlive.com is the place to be for that on April 1st. But right now it's time to get to Peacock. Eric, we've rambled on here nearly 50 minutes. It's time to get to nitro February 24th, 1997. Go ahead and uh, fire it up get to triple zero and I'll give us a countdown. Hopefully you'll press mute on your side and Eric and I will fill in the gaps for you. What a big time show this is. Here we go. Eric, are you ready? I am ready, sir. Here we go. In three, two, one, play. And Monday Nitro is on the air.
So here goes public enemy. That's the awful dub that we're uh, hearing in the background because we don't have the rights for the original music, but the original presentation of these guys, by the way, Eric was, uh, the hot stepper song. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that tickles me, but it, it does. Here we go. Here's a, a sample of what it sounded like in ECW. So you can just hear it. And this is why they were waving their hands. That's pretty cool. So there you go. There's the idea. And so now Kevin Sullivan saw their success with Paul Heyman because they became quickly like, uh, I don't know, a middle of the card act, but right away they were in the main event. And a lot of that was because of the fun, se- the, the fun theme song, the interactiveness with the crowd, getting them to wave their hands. And then of course the big table spot. And as you pointed out a couple of weeks ago, logically, it makes more sense. If, Hey, tables are part of our act. We're not going to stuff them under the ring, uh, before the match or hope that they're there. We're going to carry them to the ring with us. And speaking of carrying to the ring, Mongo's carrying the Halliburton and Deborah with uh, Jeff Jarrett pulling up the rear. Of course, the night before they had a singles match and now against Mongo's wishes, Jeff Jarrett is, uh, officially a horseman. So there's that. <laughs> and you sound so excited about it. <laughs> how did Jeff feel about it? I know you guys have covered this. I haven't, I've listened to a couple of Jeff's podcasts, but how did Jeff feel about this? Did he feel like it was the right thing to do? Did he feel comfortable in that role? Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, he thought growing up watching, you know, the six Oh five TBS show, having the association with the horseman was a cool deal, but obviously the horseman in 87 and the horseman in 97 are two totally different things. By the way, I, even though I hated Jeff Jarrett my whole life until I actually got to meet him in 2017 and realized, well, this guy's fucking cool. Uh, I didn't realize this, but as I was a, a, a driver, cause I got my driver's license here in 1997. Does that make you feel old? Oh my God. Anyway, when I would zip up behind somebody in the left lane, cause I used to be a speed demon, I would find myself wishing them to just get out of the way and get over in the right hand lane, get out of my way. And I found myself doing his little stupid two finger, like, come on, get over. And I didn't even <laughs> realize I was doing it until Jeff was in my office one day last year. And I, it just clicked like, wow, wait a minute. Cause we were watching something that we were getting ready for the podcast and he did it. And I was like, oh shit. I did that since I was 16 years old trying to get the car over. Come on, man, get over. And yeah, it was apparently heat brother. Isn't it funny how little things like that, you know, your influence, you don't even know it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't even know where something came from, but it's yeah. That, that, I mean, that's, you know, famously, I guess how the NWO got named the NWO because I had heard Larry evidently. Yeah. Still don't remember hearing it, but I saw it on, <laughs> I yeah. saw it on the podcast. So I know it's true. But Larry used it and it just stuck with me in my subconscious and then it rolled off the tip of my tongue. And I thought that I invented it and I didn't. Larry Zabisco did. But the same thing, you know, you pick up a little mannerism, a little twitch, maybe a phrase or something that you heard and it becomes part of your everyday repertoire. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, that's where that came from? Huh. 
be damned. Uh, we got uh, former uh, WCW referee Mickey J in the ring here, who we sadly just lost. And of course, neither of the members of the public enemy are with us anymore. Jeff's still doing his thing every Tuesday, my world, uh, the podcast that, uh, I think took a lot of people by surprise because they, like me grew up hating Jeff Jarrett. And then they're like, holy cow, this is an entertaining podcast, but Mongo man still in the fight for his life. And, uh, team Mongo has been something that both you and I have talked a, a lot about here because Lord, he's, uh, he's got a pretty big time battle with ALS right now. Yeah, it is in characteristically though mongo's got a great sense of humor yes. you know he's 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 being as positive as he can possibly be and you know thoughts and, and prayers legitimately prayers up to mongo he's a strong cat uh if you want to uh check him out um you can go check it out at uh gofundme just look up team mongo and uh, unbelievably they've raised uh 205 uh, $1,000. Uh, but I think there's some contact information if you want to sort of reach out and uh, still contribute, but it was nice to see football fans, uh, Chicago land area residents. And, and of course, wrestling fans all come together to help a guy out who, uh, boy, he needed it still does. This era is interesting uh, because you see nitro is, is a, a ratings bonanza. We're going to talk about the ratings, but. They're firmly in the driver's seat, but a lot of the buildings they're running have been on the books for a long, long time. But then there are others where they get to really show out. You know, we, we set a record at super brawl. We set a record, uh, in Chicago, we set a record in new Orleans and it's just February. Uh, this show itself had 8,856 fans of which 6,600 and, or I'm sorry, 6,762 fans paid 104 grand and change, uh, which is almost unheard of a six figure gate for a long time felt out of reach for WCW. And now, especially for a TV show, exactly <laughs> a TV taping where you used to have, as you called it hobos in the front row, drinking wine out of a paper bag because you just needed to have bodies in there for center stage in Atlanta. That's what you're used to for TV. And now a uh, hundred grand gates, just like a regular old Monday. It didn't feel that. I mean, it, it wasn't though. I mean, every time we'd break six figures for a nitro, I would just, I was stunned. It, I, I never got used to that, by the way. I never took it for granted. I was always amazed when we did that well and appreciative of it uh, because it was such a, I never would have thought it would happen. You know, I was so used to it being literally, we'd have to paper everything that we did, yeah. pay-per-views, television shows, Everything we did, we had to paper the hell out of it because we couldn't get people to spend money to come and watch it. And then in such a short period of time to see what we're watching right now, a sold out crowd over a hundred thousand dollars, everybody's standing on their feet for the opening match. It's awesome. Nice little finish to the match there. Mongo looking for a little payback. Of course, the night before on pay-per-view. He was trying to get the case from his wife. She threw it over her head. It wound up going over Mongo's right into the waiting hands of Jeff Jarrett who clocked Mongo with the case. As a result, Mongo drops the fall. Now Jarrett's a horseman, but he, he being Mongo just wrestles the case away from Deborah cracks Jeff Jarrett in the back with it. And public enemy rolls him up. Mongo don't give a damn that he lost the match. And they're miking this argument. Uh, mean jeans come into the ring. So is Arn Anderson. 
feels like this horseman stuff's coming to a head and there's the nature boy. Let's take a listen. See what's going on. We need to sort this out. There are five horsemen, although four are here right now. Gene, go ahead. Take it away. Tony, I don't know what to make of all of this. Steve McMichael, Steve, a little uh, brouhaha, a little argument here between you and your... What what were you trying to prove by hitting your partner over the head with... Everybody saw what he did to me last night at the Super Brawl. Do you think that was right? Okay, he got the one, two, three on me. I've got to welcome him into the Four Horsemen family. But let me tell you one thing. You've got brothers, don't you? Yes. Well, what do you do when they mess with you? You take them out in the backyard and you slap them around a little bit and you get back what they took from you. We do not. That's what I did tonight. You've got to settle down here, McMichael. Yes. Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jeff Jarrett. we got a major problem here. Let me tell you something else, brother. You might. Mongo. Mongo. One time, brother. Jarrett, Mongo, listen up. I told the wrestling world Saturday that if the kid was fortunate enough to get his hand raised, he was in. Now, you're Mongo, you're all pro, but you're a horseman, brother. We need team players. For 11 years, 11 years, brother. You know why they went like this? Because we earned the respect. We were the horsemen, brother. Hey, just a second here. Arn Anderson, you've been around. The task, the task at hand right now is showing everybody here and out there why we have been the symbol of excellence. Buddy. Solidarity is what you're looking for. Just wait a minute and listen up. And you listen up too, Mongo. I don't think you people seem to get it. The dungeon's getting stronger. The NWO's getting stronger. Now the Giant and Luger have aligned themselves and the horsemen are getting weaker. Flair's not well. I'm hurting. Chris Benoit may never be back. He's in the hospital He's right out. now. If you don't get it, and you don't get it, you're the only two members of the horsemen that are healthy. So now you earn the spot. Mongo, he earned the spot. Now get in here and shake his hand. Guys, we've got to wrap it. Please settle your differences now. I want to see the horsemen together. I never said you wasn't family, my brother. I never said that. And I might mess with you, but nobody else better. Here's my hand. How about that? Oh, come on. You can be a man out of it, Jarrett. Put it in there, brother. Yeah. You better shake his hand. Put it in there, Jeff. I stood by you and they didn't want you, brother. Now I'm telling you, shake his hand. Now you earned the right to be a horseman. Now show the world. All right. What about it? Jeff Jarrett. Very hey, that's what we were looking for. Tony, back to you. That's what we were looking for. All right. Thanks a lot, Gene. The horsemen, I guess you can say they're together. I'm not sure. But uh, there was a good point brought up by Arn Anderson there. The horsemen right now, many people could say, are at their weakest point. Benoit in the hospital. We're going to show you the stills later on how Benoit was taken away last night as well as the Taskmaster. And Ms. Tony's wearing a fucking sweatshirt with the embroidery. I know. Right. It's crazy, right? I mean, it's cool. <laughs> it's I mean, it's branded, but it's like, wow. Uh, he used to have to wear suited and booted shit, and now he's here in a sweatshirt. Like, sign me up for that.
That was a good scene. Um, creatively, I, I, Kevin Sullivan obviously put that together um, and did a great job. And I'm sure there was some collaboration along with it from, from Rick and Arn. But I liked it. What I, I wish we would have seen a little more out of Jeff right at the very end. I'd, I would have liked to see Jeff struggle with whether or not he should shake Mongo's hand as opposed to, I think it was Arn grabbed him, stuffed, stuffed Jeff's hand into Mongo's. I wanted to ask you about that because it felt like, you know, again, I'm trying to imagine myself being one of the performers in the ring. When Gene yells, guys, we got to wrap it. That feels like, oh shit, we're up against a hard TV break. We got to get out. That's exactly what that was. But, but still they threw it back to the desk and you heard Tony and, and Zabisco filibuster. Couldn't they have done that after the break? Couldn't they have just thrown to the break right then? It just felt like, Hey, we're hurt. We're, we're pressed for time guys. We got to go. But then they don't go to commercial. They just, they just go yeah, back. That was weird. It was, was weird. That was a bad call. And they should have, first of all, I think Mongo, Mongo took too much time and that that's not a surprise for a guy that's in the moment and doesn't have a lot of experience doing yeah. that in front of a live crowd. So that's not unusual at all, but he did. It did drag out a little bit. Um, as did Rick a little bit, but Rick made some really good points. You know, Rick advanced that story really well, but it would have been a lot better had Jeff been able to have the time to struggle with that handshake. Cause they rushed the very end of it. And like any story, you know, you build up a good story. Act one is great. Act two is great. You did the act three and then you rush it to the end and you lose them at the end of the act. That's exactly what happened there. I think that, that, that it was so well done up until the last 30 seconds. It's interesting to look back and, uh, and think about how different nitro is here. I mean, we're still finding our voice and we still got a little bit of the old WCW in us. Here's Hacksaw Jim Duggan in gold boots. I don't remember seeing that at all. I just thought Duggan the entire time he was this patriotic character wore blue boots, but here he is in gold boots, blue trunks. Well, he's wearing a WCW colors. That's purple and gold. That was WCW colors. Look at you. I'm colorblind, but I appreciate that. And he's taking on galaxy. What's your favorite galaxy match? I think it was about 1996 when I first met. Galaxy. Um, I, I saw him. Uh, I, I was out in Los Angeles actually, and was kind of bored one night. Decided to go to a little independent wrestling event, and ran into to Galaxy and watched him. And I was just, I said to myself, someday I'm going to be in a position where I'm I'm going to hire this guy because he can move the needle. I love you more right now than I can remember. <laughs> Uh, in real life, he's uh, 60 years old. You also saw him wrestle as Damien six, 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 but here he's at galaxy. Um, I, I guess I just know him more as Damien than I do galaxy. Cause when I saw him come through the curtain, as I pre-watched the show, I was like, I don't remember this guy at all, but yeah, Damien. So interesting, uh, time to talk about, uh, business here. Let's go back to the, the gate though. Uh, $104,418 that's printed in the observer. Did you ever take issue with Zane Bresloff telling Dave Meltzer, the exact gate figures, or when it's such a good number, are you kind of puffing your chest out? Like, Hey, make sure you tell Dave. No, I never did that. I can assure you, but I didn't, I, I didn't really care. And, and I'm not sure it wasn't public domain. He might've been able to get that from the arena. Um, 
I'm not sure where Dave gets his information. Well, uh, usually he's pretty accurate when it comes to gates and attendance and things like that. Um, and I would imagine he can probably get that information from the arena itself. It's not confidential. I, uh, I'm just fascinated by the Zane Bresloff, Eric Bischoff, Dave Meltzer, love triangle, if you will. I know you love that phrasing too, but <laughs> it feels like Zane and, and, and Dave were pretty tight. And I mean, that's my impression over the years. So certainly I've listened to interviews where Meltzer just went on and on and on, just heaping praise on and Zane. And I couldn't help, but think, well, he's doing that because they're friends, which is cool. I mean, Lord knows we heap praise on our friends. Everybody does that, but did their relationship bother you or was that not even something you cared about? I didn't care. I mean, look, I mean, I probably like people that you probably don't or might not and vice yeah. versa. And I don't, I, I don't expect my friends to feel exactly the same way I feel about other people. Um, it was what it was. It didn't bother me that he was, I knew he was tight with, with Dave and I knew he probably shared information. I wished he wouldn't have shared with Dave in the course of conversation, not in a malicious way. He didn't mean to do any harm speaking about Zane, but I knew that they, they spoke often and, uh, it was what it was. It didn't bother me at all. I, I, I both Lori and I really, really liked Zane Bresloff. He was, he was a good dude. Well, I know for sure that, uh, you like one person I don't like, maybe, exactly. maybe I'm just kidding. I, I like everybody. You know me, I'm trying to be Switzerland. Not me. I just can't help myself. (laughs) (laughs) But at least I'm honest about it. Well, I'm not being dishonest. I just happen to be friends with, with Bruce and Tony. And I think that's okay. Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. Well, I'm friends with Bruce too. Yeah. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying I'm Switzerland because I have friends on both sides. That's all. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, you mean, okay. Tony Kemp. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's silly to think that you can't be friends with people who are competitive in an industry. That's really actually kind of childish. Think about it. Speaking of childish after Duggan just cheated with the tape here, uh, he cheated. Well, a tape fist Duggan shouldn't be a tape fist. Come on now. That's illegal. That's that's against the rules in the WCW rule book. Well, he must, he must've done something to deserve it. That's all I can say. Yeah, he had big heat with Galaxy. This is going to be a promo you won't believe. Reception here at Sacramento tonight of the heels of Super Bowl. Hacksaw. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You've had an opportunity to look at things here at WCW at arm's length. Last night in San Francisco, the macho man Randy Savage shocked the socks off me. I can't believe what's going on. Shocked the socks off the wrestling world. You shocked the socks off Hacksaw Jim Duggan. First it was Terry. And the whole world was excited. What Hulk Hogan. Happened? Right. Now, Macho Man, what's wrong with you people? Have you forgot all the time at the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Have you forgot the Special Olympics? Have you forgot your friends out here tonight? I don't understand, Gene. The two of them, they got all the money in the world. They got all the power. But your heart is black. There's something wrong. And not everybody in the WCW, Gene, I, I, is going to run. Now, wait a minute. Not everybody's going to hide. Hacksaw Jim Duggan will stand and fight. I will not quit. I will not stop. I will not waver. Hogan, you know 
You know I can beat you. Hey, 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 hey. We're on television. Macho Man, stay out of my way, little man, or I'll trample you. And don't send in none of your jabronis after me in the back. Oh. Oh. Because I didn't do Big Bubba. You could tell me, Gene, I didn't do Big Bubba. Right. He looked too darn good for me to do him. That's so, Hogan, I'm not coming from the back door. If you want a piece of me, I'll kick down the front door, come stop it in, and I'll beat you up, tough guy. So, yeah, he's low-key challenging Hulk Hogan, which I don't think is ever going to happen. But in addition to that, he called him fucking Terry. That was a little weird. Super weird. And I'll kick your A. I mean, it was like, who is this? What's going on? Oh my gosh. Look at this. Even socially, like what I call Hulk, you want to chat on the phone or something? I don't call him Terry. Right. To this day, he's Hulk Hogan. That's exactly right. Now, if I'm, you know, if we're in a business meeting or something like that, and even then, most of the time, he's still Hulk Hogan. I'll occasionally refer to him and Terry in a social setting if it's very, very close friends. But for the most, probably 99 times out of 100, when I'm talking to Hulk or calling him or with a group of people, I always refer to him as Hulk. It's just a habit. I'm just, I would have to remind myself to call him Terry. So I'm not sure why Duggan did that. That's, that was out of character for Jim, actually. Here comes Joe Gomez, the mayor of Tampa for real, like for real. (laughs) I, uh, I haven't spent any time with Tampa, but are in Tampa with him, but I've hung out with him a hundred other places. And anytime something comes up, Tampa, everyone knows him and he knows everyone. He's a well-connected individual. He used to own a bar back during this time, I think, in, in, in the late 90s. He owned a bar down in Ybor City. And Ybor City is kind of a cool. That's the part of town. history. Yeah. Very, very, very cool place. Uh, but he owned a bar down there called Cherries. That was pretty high-class place, too. I mean, it wasn't just a hole-in-a-wall bar. It was a really, really nice place. And uh, spent a number of evenings at Cherries in Ybor City. Courtesy of Mr. Gomez. Thanks, Joe. Had a blast. And uh, he's going to be taking on, or so it looks here, Hugh Morris, who you and I have talked about. Boy, timing is everything, but different time, different place. No telling what this guy could have did. Yeah, he, uh, he, he we, we talked about this not, not too long ago. He got a much like uh, Alex Wright and even to a degree Bagwell, kind of, Mark Merrow, I think a better example than Bagwell, got caught up in a gimmick that he just got settled with. It, it really held him back. He didn't know it at the time. Obviously, neither did we, but I think he had a lot more potential than his silly-ass gimmick provided. Let's also mention that uh, Nitro was still battling. Monday night raw, uh, but they're firmly in control. Let's sort of run through what's happened so far in January and February, January 6th. It was 2.1 to three nitro January 13th, 2.3 to 3.4 nitro January 20th, 2.2 to 3.7 nitro January 27th, 2.2 to 3.6 nitro February 3rd, 2.6 to 3.1 nitro. 
February 10th, 2.3 to 3.8 nitro. February 17th, 2.1 to 2.9 nitro. And then here on this day, Monday night raw actually upticks to 2.5, but nitro only has a small bump going to a three. The next week though, raws all the way down to a 1.9 fell off a cliff and nitro benefits 3.4. And I wonder in hindsight, were you putting your best foot forward with some of the matches we've seen on the program so far? We saw public enemy and the horseman. That was a nice storyline piece. I'm with it. Then we saw Duggan and galaxy. I don't really know why that's there. <laughs> and then here Gomez and Hugh Morris again. I don't really know why that's there, but coming up next, it's Laparka and ice train. This show feels like at times it's part nitro part Saturday night. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, not everything that we were doing in 97, 96, 97, 98, not everything was reality-based NWO-ish. There was still a lot of cartoonish, animated, more traditional 80s, early 90s wrestling within the body of our show. This is a two-hour show. Yes. Not everything should look and feel like it's from the same cookie cutter, so to speak. I get that. From the same recipe. So, yeah, there was still a lot of kind of the traditional less reality based, less cutting edge NWO ish type of content. And I think that was the right thing to do. I mean, you can question some of the matches, you know, um, the one we just saw with hacksaw, for example, that was filler material. Yeah. So all that was, was a way to fill time and entertain people. And also you got to remember, and I don't want to make it sound like this was the real reason we did this, but it was part of it. You've got to let the audience breathe. You can't yes. keep them at a peak for two hours and expect it to matter because they, you get fatigued and you get kind of numb to it all. So you bring them up, you give them something really uh, powerful, either like we saw with the horseman because it was storyline driven and they were the magnitude of the stars involved in it. And then you let them rest a little bit. You let them come back down and then you bring them back up again and you let them back down. That's typically how we would try to produce shows. The same thing that happens at, at live events. You know, you don't come out there and hit the ground running at, you know, 120 miles an hour and keep the pedal to the metal until the show's over. You bring them up, you let them down, you bring them up, you let them down because that's what they're there for. They want that kind of roller coaster ride emotionally. And we did some of the same things on television for the same reasons. I want to mention this is also the era where Shawn Michaels has lost his smile and ECW is even going to become a part of the WWF presentation as well. They did the whole raw from the Manhattan center where ECW invaded raw. I've never asked your opinion of that. What did you think of that idea? It was a way for them to cross promote the, the upcoming barely legal show, which was the ECW debut on pay-per-view. And of course we had, you know, the eliminators there. We had Taz there. We had Sabu jumping off the letters. We had the invasion of the BWO, but all of a sudden this sort of fun tongue in cheek parody presentation of your hot angle which was really just seen on various, um, really even a handful of cable networks around the country at midnight on a Saturday night or what have you. Now it's on Monday night raw. what do you think of the ECW invasion? And then the idea that the BWO was on WWF TV. 
I didn't really think about it too much. You know, I, I, I wasn't excited about it. I wasn't unhappy about it. I just, eh, it, it really didn't register on my Richter scale in any way, any meaningful way. And maybe that's because I know I was a little bit arrogant. We were walking away from WWE, everything that they were, they tried failed in terms of trying to compete with us. We were comfortably ahead. And I think even more than just the way the numbers reflected that we were ahead, I just was so confident in what we were doing and where we were going with nitro as a whole, not just with NWO that it really didn't matter to me what WWE was doing. And it certainly didn't, bother me or, or I don't think I even really paid attention to what ECW was doing on Monday night. I didn't think it was going to matter. That's the bottom line. It just wasn't going to matter. Well, nothing wrong with that. Well, let me ask about Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock shows up on that very same show for WWE. He's in the front row. They're introducing him as the world's most dangerous man. And he's having a little interaction with Lawler. And, um, we know he's freshly signed a contract and, and, and as the rumor and innuendo goes, he had even reached out to you guys. Now, of course, this is before the UFC blew up in popularity. That would really happen with the ultimate fighter. And they were just off to the races. That was Oh five. This is 97. So we're still a ways away from them becoming this hugely successful organization. What'd you think here when you saw, Whoa, well, they got Ken Shamrock. Any, any interest or intrigue or disappointment that she couldn't land him or just talk me through that. Zero, zero interest, zero disappointment. Wasn't interested. And that's by, by no means any disrespect to Ken Shamrock. It's just wasn't interested at the time, maybe because I didn't, I didn't feel we needed it. Um, but for whatever reason, I just, I had zero reaction to it, to be honest with you. Absolutely zero. So LaParca is coming out next here, and uh, we just saw him at Super Brawl last week. Uh, he's going to be taking on uh, your your boy Ice Train. Before we talk about that, though, let's talk about another signing on the WWE side of things: the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, who have been a top act for a long, long time. Obviously, had a run in the WWF before, but they left and. They popped up in WCW for a while, but now they're going to be on the other station. Had you had your fill of the road warriors? Were you disappointed that you weren't able to put a deal together or did you think, ah, eh, too difficult to deal with or been there, done that? Or what was the thinking? They weren't that difficult to deal with, to be honest. I mean, they were look all talent, especially at the level that the road warriors are at could be challenging from time to time. That's the nature of high power talent with that have leverage. But what I'm going to about to say is going to sound very disrespectful and it shouldn't because I was friends with both of them. I believe they had seen the peak of their careers and they just weren't as important in my plans as they thought they should be. So it wasn't anger. I wasn't frustrated with them. I wasn't tired of dealing with them. None of that. I just felt that we didn't need them as badly as they thought we did. And that's where things fell apart. And I, I mean, I was right. They were not the road warriors of 10 years previous. They just weren't. 
the the act was a little bit old. It was still a little bit eighties, right? Late eighties. Yeah. Um, and physically, you know, because of injuries and, and, and age, they just weren't the same team in their minds. They were and their expectations financially reflected that, but they just didn't fit into our plans. Isn't it interesting though, to take a look at, I mean, all that happens in the same month. I mean, really within a couple of weeks, ECW's here, Shamrock's here, Legion of Doom are here. I, I think actually that might be all the same fucking show. Vince McMahon wow. is trying to throw everything at this to try to turn the momentum and momentum is a funny thing, not just in a athletic competition or like a football game or a basketball game, but in, in business as well, in competition of, of any sort, when it looks like one company has to use a basketball term, the hot hand, it's hard to cool them off. And man, it feels like he's trying to throw everything he can your way. It, it is, you know, Momentum is an incredibly difficult thing to create and even more difficult to hold on to <laughs> once you create it. But yeah, I mean, clearly Vince was struggling and he was desperate and was trying to do any number of things he could do. And ultimately he adopted the nitro formula. He took what we were doing in a formula that we created in a format that we created and he did it bigger and better. That's exactly what he did. That's where DX came from. That's, I mean, that's where so much of the adult themed and adult adult oriented entertainment. When Vince woke up one morning and said, look, if we don't go after males, 18 to 49, the way WW, excuse me, the way WCW has, we're not going to survive. That was a dramatic pivot to abandon your teen and preteen business model that had built WWF. Their licensing and merchandising, everything that they did was was around teen and preteen. And to abandon that and go not only a little bit, but to an extreme in the opposite direction, going after 18 to 49-year-old men and all the creative things that Vince and WWE did in that process and Bruce Pritchard um, was a dramatic shift in their business model. But it worked. It worked really well. Unfortunately for me, <laughs> Laparka here versus ice train feels a little bit out of place. I love Laparka, but I couldn't for the life of me tell you an ice train match that I remember or could refer to. Uh, and I just feel like in hindsight, I wish we could have had Laparka versus some more luchadors, or even perhaps what if it was Laparka and Hugh Morris, that would at least be, I don't know. Something. It would make more sense, wouldn't it? But Ice Train, Lord bless him. It's just not what I'm looking for here. This he feels the, the his gear, his presentation. Uh, it, it just feels like I don't know 1988 AWA to me. Square peg, round hole. Yeah, Team Challenge Series, Vern Gagne. That's what that feels like. And I mean, just the chemistry between the two. And I mean, just because of their respective styles and look at ice train was a huge, powerful dude. Um, he's not going to be able to have the kind of match. That's going to make LaParka look good yes. and vice versa. It's just, it was more filler to be honest with you. That's what this was. Even on paper, this doesn't make sense. Oh. I mean, if you were to look at this on a booking sheet, you would go, who, what, what, who? Hey, <laughs> where's Bischoff? Where's Kevin? So what the fuck are we doing this for? But 
We did it. Next we up, we've got uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho taking on the faces of fear. And that is actually going to be a pretty good match. Uh, but it is interesting to see them paired up here. They being Eddie and Chris, because the night before at super brawl, they were taking on each other. They were opponents. Nice little shot there, uh, of the, the nitro logos. It looks like we're going to commercial. I want to bring up, this is the first time that it becomes like official in the observer. Uh, TBS, Ted Turner's original cable superstation that basically got off the ground nearly two decades ago through Atlanta Braves baseball and Georgia championship wrestling has decided its future is to go back to its past. TBS will begin its own live two hour primetime wrestling show at some time in the not too distant future, perhaps as early as the May sweeps. Although it's been heavily rumored within the industry about being a Thursday night show. Uh, and the odds are probably better than it will be on Thursday than any other night. The decision as to what night and when it will start will probably not be made for a few more weeks. The idea of doing the show had just come up in the past week or two and was finalized by Eric Bischoff in a meeting with TBS on February 14th. So that's Valentine's day. Uh, the show would be largely funded by TBS with a weekly financial package that would make it basically impossible for WCW to be a losing money proposition at any time in the near future. It's expected that WCW will now try to add talent rather than subtract in order to fill up four live hours plus five taped hours between national major cable and syndication every week. The show will either air on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday on TBS. (laughs) Uh, Obviously Monday's out the window Sunday with conflict with pay-per-view and Saturday has its own traditional show. Thursday is the most likely date because the other nights would have too many baseball preemptions during the summer. Of course, this brings up the obvious question of at what point does oversaturation hit? It was largely believed in September of 95 when Bischoff and Turner came up with what became Nitro, a primetime show to go head to head with Vince McMahon's successful Monday Night Raw, that the competition would drive down both live attendance and pay-per-view rates for both companies, plus divide up a finite group of wrestling fans so the show's ratings would be unimpressive. As history has shown, that turned out not to be the case. If anything, the addition of Nitro revitalized a wrestling industry that had largely been at a lull since a combination of scandals, weak booking, and an inability to create new stars had taken it down several levers, but several levels back in 92, the competition changed the entire face of pro wrestling booking long-term ideas for the most part were dropped because the changes were instead based on constant changes, but to make, let me try this again, made both to fool <laughs> a public with more access to information and to win on Mondays by loading up on established names from the past, creating new stars, particularly high flyers who were generally thought to only have a career internationally and booking pay-per-view quality matches on a weekly basis. Nitro held its own with raw from the start, the combination of expanding the two hours and the introduction of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, both of which happened simultaneously in late May led to WCW dominating the ratings each and every Monday. So Dave is acknowledging, Hey, the experts were wrong. Nitro did not hurt wrestling. It did not hurt both companies. Instead, it went the opposite way and lit it on fire. So he's giving you your flowers, but I like the little note here that this idea that, okay, we're doing a TBS show was finalized in a meeting with TBS on February 14th. Does that sound right? The date? No. Okay. No. And the other thing that he got just glaringly wrong was that uh, when he when Dave stated that uh, that the show would be largely funded by TBS, again 
making things up, taking a wild ass guess and writing it as if it is a fact when the exact opposite was true. Um, and what's interesting is he thought it was going to happen in May of 97. Of course, it doesn't actually happen until January 8th, 1998. So nearly a full fucking year after the supposed meeting where, okay, it's coming down. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, and that was, it's funny when you were reading that to me and you were giving me the dates, I'm thinking that's not right. Yeah. It wasn't finalized. In, in fact, it was the summer of 97 is when I got a call from Harvey Schiller. I was on vacation. It was the first vacation I'd taken in a long time. I had my kids in a van with me. We were driving to Wyoming. Actually, quick, short story. I had my own plane at the time. And I was flying. My wife and my kids were in the plane with me and we were flying to Wyoming and I had a, um, I had a malfunction in my plane flying over Nebraska and I had to make an emergency landing. It was an in instrument conditions. And in a plane, you have a, an instrument called a pitot tube. It looks just like a little, looks like a little hot dog that kind of hangs underneath your wing and it's got a hole in the end of it and it measures airspeed. It's how you can tell how fast you're going. And a little piece of debris had gotten inside of my pitot tube and I couldn't, I had no airspeed indicator and I was flying in instrument condition. So I declared an emergency. And as I'm coming down through the cloud base uh, and air traffic control was guiding me because I couldn't see anything was guiding me. They cleared the runway, called emergency vehicles in. And as we were coming down, out of the cloud base when I could finally see the runway, which was probably, I was only about 60 feet above the runway when I came through the clouds and this boom. And I look and there's like 25 fire engines, you know, lining both sides of the runway. They were expecting the worst or prepared for the worst, of course. Anyway, we, we landed and it was going to take about a week or two to get the plane fixed. So I rented a van and my wife and kids were now in the van and I get a call from Harvey Schiller. And Harvey said, Eric, Ted wants to do a two-hour show on TBS. I won't drag you through that conversation. I've told this story before. But that didn't happen until the summer of 97, early summer. It was like July, June, end of June. And then the, the next two or three months was before the show debuted, was all about everybody, including Brad Siegel, um, trying to convince Ted not to do Thunder. I tried. I didn't want to do it. And I certainly didn't want to pay for it because I had to pay for it. It had to come out of my budget. We weren't getting a license fee <laughs> at all. We had to pay for it ourselves. Um, we tried to fight it. We tried to fight it. We tried to fight it. And finally, um, I realized we weren't going to win. The, I wasn't going to win this battle. I wasn't going to convince Ted Turner to do something or to not do something that he was determined to do. <laughs> I just took my marching orders and made it work. But that didn't happen until summer of 97. So I don't know where Dave was getting this information. It's, it's bizarre to me. We're talking over a pretty good match here. And Jericho just got destroyed by the faces of fear. Double headbutts off the top. Face of fear covered by Baron and Eddie. And Eddie makes the save. I thought for sure that was going to be it. You know what? Jericho's got better abs now than he did back in 97 in this match. You seen pictures of him, of him lately? Oh man, he's gotten himself in a great shape, has he not? He's shredded. Yeah. 
I think, uh, enough people, uh, had a, had their, their stab online. You know, there's other podcasts out there who really had a lot of fun poking fun at his physical condition, which always made me laugh because it's like, dude, the guy's an international fucking megastar, professional athlete, rock star, podcaster, da, 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 da. And you're picking apart his physique, uh, Lord, he's probably got a better <laughs> physique than anyone who's critical of him. Um, but still, uh, I think he's, he's quieting some of that down. Cause yeah, he looks like, uh, he's on the cover of a romance novel these days. He looks great. He's just, ama- he never ceases to amaze me. Chris is just a, whether he's evolving as a character or decides to get up one morning and transform his body seemingly overnight. Yeah. Um, and he, he looks so good right now. I'm sure he feels a lot better and he's able to move better. So good for him. Eddie Guerrero, man, so far ahead of his time. I mean, some of the stuff he's doing here in 1997 was so far ahead of his time. Oh, now big drop kick. And then here comes Jericho off the top, man. They're being Mickey J's being pretty loose with the, uh, the tag rules here. Is he not? Yeah, I think Mickey's just trying to stay out of the way and not fuck anything up. Things are happening pretty fast in there. Fair to say. This has got to be the, the build of the finish. They're going. They can't stop now. They can't let the faces of fear regroup. Jimmy Hart's not looking comfortable. Ming hit hard on the outside from that drop kick. He is still down. And now Jericho hitting the ropes. Oh. And Ming, oh, Ming! Pulled the rope and Jericho took a nasty spill. And we've got D. Malenko. Oh, D. Malenko pushed him into the foot of the barbarian. Malenko got involved. Here's a one, two, three. I like it. Malenko back involved. We continue that whole Malenko Eddie thing. As you recall, the night before at Super Brawl, Malenko was in a tug of war for his own cruiserweight title. Um, or he, Malenko wasn't, he was on the inside. Six was doing a tug of war with uh, Eddie Guerrero and damn it. When Eddie let go, it went upside Dean's head and down goes Frazier. So yeah, he's upset. He lost his title belt and he blames Eddie. So he's here to make sure Eddie loses a match as well. Kit for tapped. I like it though. You know, continuity. It's nice in wrestling every now and again. Coming up next, we're going to have something pretty fantastic. Um, and by the way, that was a good match. You know, I think the faces of fear, everybody acknowledges those are two legit badasses who could, you know, fucking eat you if they wanted to, but that was a really good match. And a lot of that, of course, was because it was Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho, but check it out. But up next, something that I think we're all excited for, and we'll never get tired of Ray Mysterio versus Hooven two Guerrero, uh, Meltzer would even call it a classic spectacular, albeit a short match. Um, it's almost a sprint. I think they only get like five minutes, but anytime we get Ray and Hoovy on TV, I'm in. So we're at 4809, 10, 11 now. And uh yeah, man. Barn burner on our way. Let's track it. Hi everybody and welcome back to the second hour of WCW Monday Nitro live from the Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. We have a capacity crowd on hand and we still have later on in this hour Lex Luger and the Giant, the new World Tag Team Champions against Harlem Heat for the belts. Iron Mike today, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mike today. In my mind, in the mind of many fans, 
Piper is the champion. He put him out, he put him to sleep, but there was one factor none of us expected, and that was the Macho Man Randy Savage last night. Well, Tony, just when we think we have the answers, the New World Order changes the questions. Exactly. I was convinced that the Macho Man Randy Savage had united with Sting against the New World Order until that shocking turn of events last night at Super Brawl. That's a good point. We still don't know where Sting stands, but the fact is that Hogan still has the belt. Well, the fact is Hogan's a very, very lucky man. He was almost put to sleep by Piper. Everyone saw that. I think he was out. I think the referee should have stopped the match and awarded him the title there. But that didn't happen. You're right about Sting. I don't know where he stands, but I think we all know pretty well where Savage stands. Fans, if you joined us during hour number one, you saw some startling events. As a matter of fact, let's take you back to the footage now from hour number one. So there you go. The changeover from hour one to hour two. Uh, by the way, we've got some real treats. We've got Ray and Hoovy in this second hour. We've also got Ultimo Dragon and Dean Malenko. Uh, believe it or not, Pat Tanaka is going to be on the program, taking on Prince Iakea. And uh, I don't know. It's interesting to think about the tale of the two hours. The first hour with what it was, and the second hour, man, it's just a bunch of ass kicking wrestlers. Yeah. And again, that we're still, you know, trying to get a feel for the two hour format and the best way to make it work. But you know, what I was taught when I first broke into the wrestling business and the television business back in 87, guy by the, Mike, by the name of Mike Shields is that you want your show to build, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, it's one thing to start out hot. And this kind of goes back to what we talked about before about some less than uh, pay-per-view quality matches on the show. Uh, but you want the show needs to build to a crescendo. And ideally, if you looked at your quarter hour ratings, you know, at the end of every show, you would uh, on each show, you would see that you would start out at uh, one level and then gradually build incrementally throughout the two hours. And that was one of the reasons that we loaded up the second and a half of the show. We use the first half of the show as kind of a tease, if you will, almost an infomercial as to what's going to happen in the second hour of the show. So if we indeed did load up the second hour, that was the formula. And that's the reason why. And here comes Ray Mysterio, man, what a, uh, breath of fresh air. He was for professional wrestling when it's all said and done. What do you think his legacy will be? In pro wrestling? Hard to articulate, but I, I guess I know what it should be. I think Ray Mysterio and, and the people like him, his peers within the cruiserweight division, we're looking at, at one of them he's in the ring with right now, I think are is responsible for the modern era of wrestling that we're seeing today as anybody. You know, probably not as much as perhaps Vince McMahon in the WWF, obviously. But in terms of the style of wrestling that we're seeing today, I think just about everybody that we're seeing on television today, uh, particularly in, in AEW, uh, owe their careers and their opportunities to the two guys that we're seeing in the ring, not the least of which is Rey Mysterio. Really a remarkable performer. Uh, let's do some questions. we got tons of questions. I don't think we'll get to them all, but uh, let's do some. Um. The Rosen coaster wants to know what was the reason behind having sting aligned with the NWO for a short period of time, only to turn in a matter of weeks as a young fan, I was confused because, because he claimed he wanted to be a loner without any allegiances. I don't know that he did align. I think we teased it. 
I, I think it was a little bit of a of a head fake um, for Sting's character with the NWO. I think it was the the creative idea behind that was to make the NWO think that Steve that Sting was going to be aligned with them, um, but he never really was, and was never intended to. I mean, the the idea of Crow Sting being the anti-hero to the anti-heroes was always the plan. So if, if the, the listener um, was under another assumption, then that was probably bad creative on our part because we didn't make it clear, but he was never going to be aligned with the NW. Let's uh, do another one here. This is from uh, Mitchell Barnett over at ad free shows. He says, was there ever any real consideration at any point or any time during his tenure with the company to giving Piper a run with the WCW heavyweight championship. That's an interesting question, Eric, because you would have been the first to do it. You know, he was never the world champ, uh, for the NWA or for the WWF. So yeah, him as the world title. That would have been a nice little feather in the cap for both him and WCW, but it didn't happen. Was it ever even considered? Before I answer that question, this match is mind-bogglingly good. Yes, unbelievable. Such an amazing match. And I wouldn't even try to call this action. I would, though, encourage anybody that's listening to this, if you haven't, go to Peacock. It's not that expensive. You'll. It's well worth it to be able to see Rey Mysterio, in my opinion, at his peak, not necessarily as a character or a star, but as a performer. Yeah. This match and Juventud Guerrero, I don't want to not mention Juventud. This match is nothing short of phenomenal. And it would be today if it was happening, you know, in this era. But no, there was never uh, any, any conversation at all about making uh, Roddy world champion. I don't think Roddy wanted it, to be honest. It, and keep in mind, Roddy wasn't a 365 day a week performer. Right? Right. Roddy had a very limited uh, number of dates in his schedule. And if you're going to be the world heavyweight champion, that doesn't work out so much because you've got to make house shows and you've got to do more TVs and you're going to be more involved. And Roddy was not interested in that. He had some physical challenges. It was not easy for Roddy to do the things he was doing back in 1997 and 1998. Uh, so now it was never, never uh, a topic of discussion. It was assumed it was never going to be a topic of discussion when, when Roddy came in. And Roddy, there's a reason why Roddy was never a world champion. He didn't need it. Some, some people need that title to advance their careers and advance their stories. Roddy didn't need it. Didn't, and then at this point, didn't want it. Here's another one here from uh, Cody Crum. He says, did Randy ever express an opinion on how he felt about his character joining the NWO? Randy Savage. Yeah. Oh, Randy was all in. Believe me, if he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have done that. No, Randy was, and look, Randy was smart too. Randy was a businessman. I mean, he was caught up in the emotion of it and saw how successful it was becoming. And he also saw the storyline potential of it, but no, he was a hundred percent all in hundred percent. Bobby Duncan. I think Randy, I don't think Randy ever did anything that he wasn't a hundred percent yet. Yeah. That makes sense. We've got, uh, another question here from Bobby Duncan. He wants to know Eric, since sting savage and Luger were all in the hostile takeover match at bash of the beach, 96, 
was there consideration of these guys fought for WCW and now they're joining the NWO, of course, specifically with, it feels like sting is going to align, but certainly savage is all in eventually Luger joins. Was that part of the story that that came full circle? Almost. If you can't beat them, join them sort of deal. Yep. It's exactly what it is. If you can't beat them, join them. That was the case, especially in the very beginning. That was, that was the underlying premise to just about everything. At least we, we tried to make it that way. What a maneuver. I mean, I'm, I'm watching this match while I'm listening to you and trying to answer these questions. I've never seen a match, an entire match, particularly one as technical or high risk, I should say, as this one was, that was as flawless. I mean, every single thing they did was done with laser-like precision and speed. Earlier in the match, Huvatugura did a jump back reverse sidekick, which is not easy to do well. It's easy to do sloppily, uh, but it's not easy to do well. And the precision on that that particular kick was just mind-bogglingly good. Was, this this match was phenomenal. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again, to be honest with you. This was so damn good. The finish right there, the springboard hurricane oh. Rana into the pen. I mean, he's sitting on your, your shoulders. He's got your legs, such a tight maneuver. No wonder it was raised finish. We're at 58, 20, 21, 22. If you're watching along with us, but whew, I'll never get tired of him. And I'll never get tired of Ultimo dragon and Dean Malenko. And they're up next, which is really remarkable. Well, we did load up that second hour. Didn't we? Oof. I mean, golly, four of the best wrestlers in the world back to back here. And one of you remember Conrad had, had WWE gone to two hours by this time. Yeah, that's a great question. I think they had, I think they had just recently expanded. Let me look that up because that would, that would, that would make a lot of sense because if you remember February 3rd, so three weeks prior to this three weeks prior to that, that makes perfectly good sense. Why we softened up the first hour and stacked the second hour. And it um, was stacked buddy. Woof. Yep. That makes sense. So I want to mention, uh, we both you and I absolutely love Dean Malenko and Ultimo dragon. But one of the things that always tickled me is it's like WCW could never really decide. Is it Ultimo or is it ultimate? <laughs> what, what was it from your perspective? Is it, I mean, I thought it was Ultimo, but. It should have been Ultimo, but obviously somebody in the truck. This is one of the joys of, of working with people that you didn't work with full time, meaning a lot of the TBS crew. And I'm not necessarily blaming. It could have been something else could have been internal at WCW, but it was Ultimo dragon. But when you're working with a production crew that don't work with you full time, uh, as a lot of the Turner sports crew that we worked with didn't. They worked with us when they weren't working on. Well, hang on. Listen to this music. Listen to this music. On Monday Nitro, the biggest St. Patrick's Day celebration will be live on Nitro after we spend spring break in Panama City. This is freaky. Back to back party time. Yes, that is Goldberg's theme song used February 24th, 1997. Goldberg debuts in September of this same year. Uh, But here in February, Pat Tanaka comes to the ring using it, which means it's a part of that Turner Library. Um, But I just think it's interesting out of context to see Pat Tanaka walking to the ring to Goldberg's music. Didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted our audience to hear it. No, but that was weird. That was weird. I'm glad you did. Cause that, 
It's like, what, what, wait, what, 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 what the hell? <laughs> it's a mind fuck. Is it not like, <laughs> wait, that's Goldberg's thing, but that's not Goldberg. And then you realize shit, Goldberg ain't even here yet. He's at the power plant. Yeah. That must've been, uh, as often was the case, you know, WC Turner had a music catalog of music that they own. That's where the NW original NWO theme song came from was out of the Turner generic music catalog. So we didn't have to pay any kind of rights fees or licensing fees for the music that we used on our show. So evidently somebody found that music might've been Jimmy Hart actually, and decided, Oh, let's use it for Pat Tanaka. And then dug it out again because it worked so well for Pat. Let's try it for bill. And, uh, <laughs> and bill made it famous. <laughs> no kidding. And and now he's taking on your boy here, Prince Ikea. I know you and him went to different schools together, right? Yeah, sort of. Actually, Pat Tanaka and I were pretty good friends. Pat, I, I'm, I first met Pat in the AWA when he was teamed up with uh, Paul Diamond. I think they were called the Diamond. No, not the Diamond Exchange. Maybe the Diamond Exchange. Can't remember. But uh, yeah, I used to hang out with Pat. That was fun. Used to hang out with Pat and Ray Stevens. Ah, that was a fun evening. Anytime you could hook up with those two and have a couple beers. I thought their deal was, uh, the, the was bad company. Oh, that's what it was. And then that's I think it was. the diamond exchange is really probably what DDP, their manager called like all of his stable. Yeah, there you go. I got confused there for a moment because that was back in AWA as well. Diamond Ellis page was in AWA at the same time as Pat Tanaka and I. So yeah, that was it. But Pat was fun. He used to have this really badass. He had a brand new Camaro. Let me drive it one time. Let me let me take it home. It's just a sweet ass Camaro. So, he was a legit martial artist too, by the way. Um, the observer would say it's a shame WCW hasn't figured out something to do with Dragon, and seemed to seem to have a problem with putting him over in any way. You'd think even if his ability wasn't enough for a break. That since he's the boss's best friend for a reason to be on TV, that would be a reason for a push as well. What the hell? What does yeah. that mean? I think he's talking about Sonny Ono. So the idea that Sonny Ono is the, uh, the manager of Ultimo dragon. Therefore he, I should have made Ultimo dragon a star because of Dave's opinion, because Sonny was my friend. And that way I could get Sonny on TV more, I guess. So, is that what he's trying to say? I think now, you know why I think he's a fucking idiot. Oh, okay. Right. That should be obvious. <laughs> uh, I, I want to mention, we're going to see it here in a little while, but I want to talk about it and just set the stage. So you're ready. This is from the observer. A fan hit the ring during the brawl, which was funny because the fan forgot to sell hall and savages punches, but at least he ran away quickly. Savage then put on an NWO t-shirt. Savage dropped some elbows on him and Paige did a stretcher job. They did an interview where they presented Savage with Elizabeth and Elizabeth smiled for the first time in months. So Elizabeth's story maybe doesn't make that much sense where she was bullied into being in the NWO and she wanted nothing to do with Savage before that. But now she's in the, he's in the NWO and she's all excited. Now she got Stockholm syndrome by that point. <laughs> she's just been around it long enough. She decided it was fun. Uh, but the fan jumping in, uh, we gotta, we gotta look for that. When does that happen tonight it, on this show? It happens on this show. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So DDP is going to be here and, uh, 
Well, the outsiders are going to come out. It's going to look like it's a big time beat down. There's the TV title. Prince IK retains somehow. He's- right now, right now, young Conrad Thompson, who, who just recently got his driver's license, but is flipping people off as he's flying down the highway at an excessive rate of speed. <laughs> is sitting at is sitting at home, throwing shit in his room because Prince IK won the world television title. Or uh, whatever that to was. To piss you was off, that, world- that was the TV title. I love it. Sheer uh, promotion, and you don't even fucking recognize the belts. But that. That right there broke the heart of all of us belt marks who were listening to this in our head, you like spend a lot of time worrying about and analyzing and designing and creating these titles. And of course, now you see one and you're like, fuck, I don't know what belt that is, but cool story, bro. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble. I love this persona that, I mean, Sonny, I don't care what anybody says. He created the selfie. From a mainstream perspective, he created the selfie. Think about that. That's 25 years ago. Isn't that amazing? And then he just threw the disposable camera. He doesn't get the, he should be getting residuals. He should be getting royalties from Apple and from all the people that produce mobile phones. And what do they call them? They're not mobile phones anymore. What do they call them? Personal devices. Oh, wow. Look at you using the fucking. Different term there. You're like yeah, a part of PC to... culture now. Personal devices. Yeah. Personal devices in 97 meant a vibrator. It did not mean <laughs> a cell phone with a camera in it. Um, let's do some more questions here. This one comes to us from um, Tyler. He wants to know how is the relationship between Hogan and Savage at this point? How did Randy feel about joining the NWO? Was there ever thought giving to keeping Savage as part of the WCW group and fighting the NWO? Or was Randy happy that he no longer had to get his ass kicked 10 on one every week? That's an interesting <laughs> that question probably, because that's probably a good, good way of looking at it. First part of the question was how is Hogan and Randy's relationship at this point? They were tight. They had the most, they had, the, they had such a weird relationship. They could be just like best friends in, in one moment in time. And then just. And it was because of Randy Hulk was pretty consistent. Hulk, you can, and people that don't know Hulk Hogan, that never really worked with Hulk Hogan that only know of him because of reputation and because of narrative by guys like Dave Meltzer and others. It, he's a pretty easy cat to get along with. Right. He's a very easygoing guy. Now, business wise, he can be different, different. He can be a real challenge, but on a personal level, he's so easy to get along with. And it would be up and down between those two. One minute they'd be thick as thieves, and the next minute they'd be at each other's throats. Usually it was Randy <laughs> was pissed off about something. But at this point in time, I mean, we'd all fly together. You know, after Nitro, I, I usually chartered a jet, depending on where we were. And Randy and Hulk and I would uh, leave together. Usually Kevin Nash would be on that flight as well. Sometimes Scott Hall, um, but they get along great. And I oftentimes I'd go down and, and hang out in Hulk's on the weekend, or if I had business to do with Hulk, I'd go down there for three or four days and usually stay at Hulk's house. And, and Randy was there um, all the time. They worked out together. They trained together. We ate sushi together, drank beer together. So they were very, very friendly at this point in time. I've always wondered about that because it did feel like, you know, at times they had 
based on depending, I mean, I know, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to pick at a sore subject here, but I know there was some frustration, hurt feelings, anger, whatever you want to call it. When the whole Elizabeth Savage thing came to a head and, uh, perhaps she sought refuge or maybe that's not the right word, but she was seeking the counsel of Linda, her friend or whatever. And it felt like their relationship was pretty sour. And that was just a few years prior to this. And I felt like, I, I don't, I don't know Randy Savage. I never met Randy Savage, but I got the idea that Savage did not like to be considered second fiddle to anyone. He wanted to be the best at everything. He wanted to outwork everybody. He was going to pay attention to detail. He was going to be the hardest worker. He wanted to be the biggest star, et cetera, et cetera. And on some level, uh, he had great success, not on some level, on every level, he had great success in the WWF, but when Hogan was the top guy, Savage was the intercontinental champion. And then they paired them together. And then what do you know? Savage became the world champ. The mega powers explode. They set all kinds of records, but with Savage standing across from Hogan. And it does feel like to me joining the NWO instead of, Hey man, we're going to recreate some of that magic and you're going to be the top heel, but I'm going to be the top baby face. The total opposite of what they did in 1989. Now Savage could be that top baby face, but instead I'm going to be second fiddle to Hogan again. It feels like he would have been like, uh, I don't know about that. I don't think so. I never got the impression ever that Randy had an issue of being quote unquote, second fiddle to Hulk. Okay. I think the opposite. I think Randy understood that the best music that either one of them could be, could make individually would have been better together. Yeah. And if that meant Randy was second fiddle to Hulk Hogan, I think he was perfectly comfortable in that role. I never got the impression that that was an issue ever in any of my personal discussions with Randy or observing them professionally. I think the whole issue with, with Elizabeth was, and this is because of where Randy's head was at. And look, when you're caught up in a personal, I mean, look, there was a lot of having that relationship with, Elizabeth, while she was in WWE, he was super protective of her. He was, well, that's not even putting it mildly. He was way overprotective of her. He was, it was easy for him to become jealous um, when, when Elizabeth was involved. And I think as it related to Elizabeth, maybe reaching out to Hulk's wife, previous wife, Linda at the time, I think it was probably more Betrayal. I think Randy felt betrayed um, than anything else. And that was the issue between he and Hulk was the fact that in Randy's mind, because it wasn't real, but sometimes when you're emotional, even though things aren't real, it feels real. It's real to you. Yeah. And I think that sense of betrayal is probably what caused the rift between Randy and Hulk far more than Randy being second fiddle. That's fair to say. I mean, you knew these guys, so I'm glad that we get to sort of, uh, sort of clear the, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just telling you what my impression was. Yeah. I think I'm right. But you know, unfortunately only Randy knows or knew, um, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'm right. I want to mention too, that, uh, we've got uh, a big show planned next week that we're going to tease at the end of the show. 
and tell you where you can see us coming up here in the coming months. But first I want to tell you about Rajiv. He's got a question that says generally on the heels of a pay-per-view, did you have storylines planned out on how to get to the next pay-per-view? If not, what were the strategies on, uh, how can we get to the next show? So I guess what Rajiv is asking maybe in another way is maybe you at this point had a long-term plan for Sting and Hogan, but were you two pay-per-views out one pay-per-view out or would that really only crystallize and and become clear in the week or so leading up to the pay-per-view for what the next big one would be? No, we had a pretty good idea. We we tried to be two pay-per-views ahead in general. And when I say in general, meaning in my mind, and this is the way I kind of, and, and, and this evolved. I didn't really understand what I was doing uh, until later on, but you have your A story. Your A story is your main event. That's what's driving 75% of your business is your A story, maybe 65% of your business. Your B story, your C story, your D story, and even I'd go as deep as an E story. Those were stories that were developing. They would eventually become C stories and, and maybe even a B story, but they've got to start somewhere. This is always something I was fascinated with was the timing, being able to time your stories in such a way that when your one A story was over with your B story was just about ready to become your A story because you're constantly evolving your stories and and the talent within them. And the timing of that is really critical. Um, So we would try to be two pay-per-views ahead, one for sure, with a pretty good idea where we were going with our A and B stories. Um, But the rest of it was kind of evolving on television and then would become a C story or a D story and eventually on pay-per-view if that answers your question. So in a simple way, we were about one and a half pay-per-views ahead. We knew for sure what we wanted to do with the next pay-per-view, and we had a pretty good idea what we were going to do with the following one for the most part. I ask because the next pay-per-view is going to be Uncensored 97, which is where Dennis Rodman's going to appear, and really WCW levels up in a big way. At this point here in late February, where are you at with your conversations with Dennis? When did he come in? Uh, the March, the next month, the next. Oh, pay-per-view. then I would have had my initial conversations probably happened towards the end of January would have probably had already met with Dwight Manley, Dennis's agent. And we were pretty, pretty well down the road deal wise, had a pretty good idea what we were going to do. Well, March 3rd, 1997 is going to be the next big show here. Uh, Lex Luger and the giant are going to fight Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner, uh, to a no contest. Ray Mysterio is going to work with Mr. JL eighties working with Ultimo dragon. Um, lots of big stuff happened on that show because well, it's in Chicago and the advance is really, really strong. Um, we've covered it in the archives. If you want to go check it out, but. It's where we get that, that long Roddy Piper exchange where he's looking to create his own six man tag team. If you will, for the pay-per-view, he wants team Piper and he does tryouts and well, it's not awesome. I said, Chicago, I meant the Omni. <laughs> 9,000 tickets here at the Omni 117 grand. That was the advance. It winds up being more than that. 
Uh, of course, this is the show where supposedly once upon a time, we wanted Ted Turner to fire Eric Bischoff. Instead, it becomes uh, Harvey Schiller. Eric debunked that a couple of weeks ago and said that was never discussed. Anyway, we covered that archive, that show in the archive. So be sure to check that out at adfreeshows.com if you want the follow up uh, for this show. But the in ring trials or tryouts, if you will, for uncensored with Piper are less than awesome. But boy, when the pay per view actually gets here, Rodman is something else. Let's track Mean Gene here. Sudden the discipline is gone. Dean Malenko, come on in. Last night in San Francisco at Super Bowl, I've got to tell you this in my opinion, Eddie Guerrero came in trying to help you and all of a sudden you're blaming him for everything that's gone wrong in the last 24 hours. Gene, I am sick and tired and fed up with what's been happening and the respect that this man right here has not gotten in the last couple weeks in WCW. Now, let's go back one step. Six, I haven't forgotten about you and the bad things you said about my late father. You have what I want and I'm gonna get it. That's another place and another time. But right now, last night's Super Bowl, the last person I would ever, ever think in our sport who would come down and steal the belt from me is Eddie Guerrero. Eddie, two can play that game, you saw it tonight. I'm not afraid of you, and I don't care anymore. I just don't care, Gene. All right, he does not care. That is very uncharacteristic of the Iceman. Stay tuned. Nitro continues live for the West Coast after this. So Wildcat oh, Willie. That was the most emotion I've ever seen Dean Malenko emote as a character. That was crazy. He was really animated there for Dean. I mean, you know, for Dean, that was really animated. No doubt. And, uh, boy, look at the pyro here. It's the yearly event that we have come to love. It's uncensored where anything goes, no rules, completely uncensored. And you can be a part of it on Sunday, March 16th, exclusively on pay-per-view information on the card. DDP doing a little self high five as he's smoking a cigar on the way to the ring. This is going to be a big angle, a big moment for DDP. Of course, this is really the year of DDP. He's going to have the feud of the year here in 1997 with Macho Man. And the prior night, of course, he picked up a win over Buff Bagwell, which we talked about last week. Uh, but we're still not quite to peak Dallas. He's still wearing the tights, still got his t-shirt on, but, uh, he's, he's doing less and less gimmicks. Uh, he's at least still smoking the cigar and doing the self high five. But as we turn the volume down on his character and turn the volume up on his real personality. Fans gravitate to him in droves. And Tony Schiavone even told the story that, uh, his son was such a, a big fan of DDP that when his son was in the marching band, the entire band wanted DDP's diamond shirt right there. And, uh, sure enough, they got it. And on the way to the ring. No, it's not Outback Jack. It's Squire Dave Taylor. This still feels like uh, a Saturday night at times, but almost at this point, and we recently discovered this and, and talked about it a little bit. DDP is getting over, but the diamond cutter is the hottest move in all of wrestling. And at this point, everyone in the arena is standing, not because they're thrilled to see Dave Taylor, not because they're even pumped <laughs> That's to see. For sure. <laughs> they want to see. All right. We know just based on the positioning and what we've grown accustomed to seeing with these two guys, clearly DDP is going to win. And clearly DDP is going to win with a diamond cutter. 
So it was less of a question of, oh man, I wonder what's going to happen. No, no. Now we're worried with how's it going to happen. And I'm pumped even now. I mean, I've seen this. I know what the finish is, but we're ready for it. And look at there. The fans are standing a power bomb. And speaking of leagues, oh, we got trouble. The league of the new world order. See ya. You stay right here. This is your job. So Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are going to come out and just stand on the ramp and wham F five looking maneuver, head him up in a fireman's carry, turns it into the diamond cutter diamond cutter down. And they're looking for that man right there. Diamond Dallas page. DDP has recognized Hall and Nash are making their way to the ring. They're not running. They're walking real slow, taking their time because what are you going to do? Dallas, where are you going to go? How are you going to hide as they start to surround the ring here? DDP has to uh, make a call. Let's track a little bit. Even bother covering Squire David Taylor. Uh oh, he's taking off his watch. There They're is getting trouble ready here. to do some work. There's trouble brewing for DDP. They have work to do. And Diamond Dallas just hanging right in there. Let's. See. You know, last night these two men were involved in a titanic struggle for the World Tag. Uh oh. And here comes the macho man, Randy Savage, all decked out in white and black, not wearing an NWO shirt, but certainly covered in white and black. And, uh, let's take a look. Oh, when he's got a spray pan, a spray can in his hand. One step ahead, but they've got him out. Number three. Oh, one. Page didn't even know he was there. Was he blindsided. So from the observer, we're reminded we're going to see a fan jump in the ring here. So let's be aware of that as we're watching. The outsiders and macho man celebrate having knocked out DDP with that spray paint can. And he's laying in a prone position on his stomach. So you know, what's coming and look, there's a fan jumping in the ring. It's a big mistake from a fan, a big mistake. The safest place for him to be is out. Thank you. And boy, he just hauled ass out of there, but Savage is like a caged dog ready for that dude. I'll tell you what though, Scott Hall, it's a bad thing about. Sometimes, sometimes wrestlers throwing live rounds, they're so used to throwing working punches that sometimes <laughs> their live rounds mm, mm, don't have a lot of steam on them. I think that was the case there for sure. Cause I guarantee you Scott Hall was not holding back. He was not concerned about hurting anybody. Those, those, those rounds just, uh, missed the mark. And by the way, uh, Scott Hall, not a small man, tall no. dude, jacked up dude. He can put some power behind that if he wants to. So after we, uh, we left him laying, we spray painted him. Now we're going to drag his carcass to the middle of the ring and you know, what's coming by the way, <laughs> friend of the show, Charles Robinson says, yeah, cause you may recall once upon a time, he took a flying elbow drop from the macho man. Who's now sporting his NWO t-shirt. It collapsed his fucking lung. So these flying elbows are no joke. Here they come. No, those, those are, those are real. <laughs> those hurt. Diamond Dallas is out. Oh, oh my goodness. We have to step. Did you take one? Nope. Yeah. I wouldn't sign him for that. Fuck nope. that. I wouldn't take that one. <laughs> Power bomb from Kevin Nash. No problem. Choke <laughs> slam from the giant. Didn't bother me. <laughs> But if the subject ever came up about me eating a Randy Savage elbow, I'd leave the room. Pass. I'm good. Thanks. Find somebody else.
So they went to commercial. They've scraped the carcass of DDP up, but now we're lowering the lights, playing the NWO music and the outsiders and, uh, macho man have set up camp here. The new world order. Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of NWO Monday Nitro. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now let's hear a big Sacktown welcome for the newest member of the New World Order. Randy Savage! That's unbelievable. Don't ever see this. Knowing the hatred that he has had for Hulk Hogan. And oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. What? What? The NWO, we don't stop there. We don't give you just one icon. No. The Outsiders have hooked you up with another icon. So make welcome, if you will, from Hollywood, California. Oh, no. The undisputed, undefeated NWO World Heavyweight Champion Hollywood. Oh, Hogan! God, how much fun was he having? Dude, strutting to the ring with that belt over his shoulder. Just dude, he he's having the time of his life right now. I got to think this is a different kind of fun than when you, you know, had Hulkamania running wild in the late eighties, but still, this is probably more fun because you don't have the pressure of you know, being all jacked up and at a 10, you could just strut out there and I don't know, be more of you. Right. And I think like any performer, you know, Hulk had been the, the original Hulk Hogan, the red and yellow Hulk Hogan pre NWO. I mean, that was such a big part of his life and he loved it. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, one of the reasons I had a hard time convincing Hulk to, to turn heel was because that character meant a lot to him, not just from a financial point of view, which was obvious, but just he didn't want to let people down. And there was a certain amount of responsibility and burden that went along with being that iconic baby face. But to be able to be a heel and to play a completely different character and to explore all kinds of creative options as a heel that weren't up you know, weren't available to you as a performer, as a baby face. That's what he had the most fun with. Yeah. You know, you, you don't, no matter how good you are at any character, you don't want to play that same character over and over and over again, year after year after year. Uh, it gets boring. So this was like a fresh career. This was like starting over for Hulk Hogan at this point. And he, he really did enjoy doing it. And as tough as it was initially, because Scott and Kevin and Hulk didn't necessarily sync up initially um by this point in time they did and they were and they were just having a blast together 
Let's track it. Welcome, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, the main man, Eric Bischoff, trillionaire Ted, and our present to the macho man, Miss Elizabeth. I, I guess that's a nice enough way to say here's why he joined after saying he wouldn't join all this time. He joined because they had good bait. They had miss Elizabeth. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the NWO. Cause everybody knows when you're NWO, you're NWO for life. What a fun time. I guess everything hey, is sweet, huh? It's it. Hollywood knows it. The macho man knows it. E knows it. Teddy knows it. The outsiders know it. Sacramento is in W.O. territory. I don't think so. They are strong again. The new world order. When we come back. The world tag team champion. So here we go. As you recall, last night at Super Brawl, Giant and Luger became the tag team champs. They beat Hall and Nash for those uh, world tag team straps. And that is going to be what has been teased as our main event. We're going to see the uh, tag champs in action as we're seeing an awful commercial here for Uncensored. Hugh Morris is it the is star. Horrible. He's not doing a bad job, but it's just. Uh, it's so inconsistent with what we're trying to sell. It's like two different companies in two different eras. Yes. It's weird. It's weird. But again, this was, this was creative. That was probably produced a month or two out. Maybe more. Oh, more than that. Probably. We had to have collateral materials to our pay-per-view companies like 90 days in advance. I know you talked to Weber recently on a, insiders edition on adfreeshows.com. And I don't know if he talked about that at all, but the lead time back in the day, direct TV and dish and satellite companies, they all wanted our collateral materials months and months in advance. Oftentimes before we really had our creative nailed down. Right. So it was, yeah, it was a real problem. Things have obviously changed now, but it was always a challenge back then. We wanted to keep those spots generic as possible. So we wouldn't have the kind of issue that we're seeing here where the creative is completely disconnected from what we're really doing on the show and the pay-per-view. Um, so you try to produce them generically in a way that would still create some interest and energy, but um, not tie them to storylines and you see the result. So here we go. Lex Luger and the giant coming out now, holding up the tag straps. And uh, of course, Booker T and Stevie Ray, along with sister Sherry, they're already in the ring, but I think we're going to get a bit of a curveball. What, what a fun time. You said it a minute ago as we we're watching Scott Hall kind of promo, but just, you know, when I saw that scene there, when I was in the ring with, with Scott and Kevin and Hulk and DiBiase and Randy, obviously and Liz, just, I can't describe how much fun it was just to be, obviously to be in the ring. You're kind of in the center of all that energy 
And I, when you hear me say you can't get a buzz like that, like being in the center of the ring when you're surrounded by eight or 10,000 people, all of them are standing, all of them are emotionally invested in everything you're doing. It is just a, it's a buzz that I can't explain it. And I, I, I've not, not been able to find a, a way to replace it, to be honest with you. Look, look at the cops really all the way around the ring. It. Cops are everywhere. Do you see that? Based on that last fan jumping in, they're everywhere. Let's take a listen. Yeah. Straight. Oh, no. The boss has come out, and I, and I don't think there is any question as to what is going to happen here. Anybody want to venture Just a minute. Let's get ready to go, guys. He's going to strip him of the belts. Just a minute. Hold the phone here. Hold on. Little help from my friends, so to speak. The gang is here. We got a little problem here. Little problem. Oof. But it's a real simple one to fix. Very simple. You, my friend, are out of order. Those belts belong to these two gentlemen right here. Boy, I knew this was coming. You did not have a doctor's release. You were not authorized to wrestle. You used your cast in the match. So my friend, those belts belong right here. Right now, I want them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bischoff, not so quick. Because you'd have to carry me out of here on a stretcher for me just to hand this over. I'm so sick and tired of your political positioning, your little moves here and there, your swerving. How about this? I got a proposition for you. You're a risk taker. You're a gambling man. I'll hand this belt right over to your boys here you've been protecting if in uncensored where anything goes we put the whole enchilada on the line every single belt i'm talking about hollywood hogan's the title belts the tag belts every single belt in existence wcw versus nwo how about it yeah you want it you Got it. I want the belt. I want the belt. You want yours. Give me that one, you yeah. big goose. You're saying we got a deal? You, you got, got a deal. I want yours. Give me that belt. I'll fire you. I'll fire you right now. He will. He sure will. Right now. We've seen it happen before. Don't do it. Here we go. Put your best team together. Put your team where your mouth is, punk. We got the stuff. Hey, we're, we're easy to find because we're packing all the gold. Oh, you got to love it, Lex. A challenge. You got to love it. Made well, How about just a little preview? Oh, oh, hey. How about? Maybe we'll Here comes Sting. Right now. Sting is coming down. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. With ball bat in hand. He don't look happy. Whoa. He's going to go in the ring. Whoa. Whoa! Whoa! He either knows something Whoa. has more guts for him than his own good. Look who he's standing with here. 
What side of the ring is he standing on anyway? He's in the middle right now. No Boy, this expression. Is dramatic. He's just staring at Hogan. What is going to happen here? Look at the crowd. Nobody knows what to expect. Well, they're waiting Everybody's, on something. And every single one of them are on their feet. Yes. Staring at Hulk Hogan. Do something. Hogan, Hogan embraces him. Sting doesn't hug back. He just closes his eyes. Can you believe what we're seeing? No response. And he's got his back with the NWO facing WCW. He's at least standing with him. This was so good. Wasn't that fun? This was so good. That is storytelling. Yes. That is storytelling. I hear people, I read people, look at social media. What qualifies for story today, whatever, it is what it is. But that, that is storytelling. That was fucking awesome. And I'm glad we got to watch it. I know that we've done you know, more watch alongs in a row than I would normally like to do here on 83 weeks. We used to try to do like one a month. I think we've done like three or four in a row, but buddy, I just love it so much. I can't help it. This is such good stuff. And I feel like if we don't go back and watch it and celebrate it on the 25th anniversary, then when the hell will we, because what a great little finish to that show. And I know we had to sit through an ice train match and I know we had a Joe Gomez match, but that finish was worth it. That was so cool, man. That was awesome. I, I, I forget. Once again, I, for me, even though I'm watching me, yeah. you know, I don't remember any of that. Yeah. I don't remember one second of it. So seeing it like this is in many respects, me seeing it for the very first time. Yeah. It's such a weird thing for me, but so grateful for it. It was really fun. It was fun. And next week we're going to be back having some more fun. We're going to be talking about. TNA from 2012 and oh, what an interesting time it was. Uh, it's going to be a, a pretty cool show. We're talking victory road, 2012 TNA's general manager sting is going to take on the TNA champion, Bobby Roode. And this is Joker sting that a lot of people still talk about to this day. We've got James storm and bully Ray facing off. We'll also talk about including Brandon Jacobs of the New York giants, Jeff Hardy versus Kurt angle. We'll be moving on from Vince Russo and you and Garrett and we're going to continue that storyline, uh, but coming up on May 20th, it's 83 weeks live in Oshkosh. Myself and Eric Bischoff will be in Oshkosh at the time community theater for an exclusive live 83 week show. Tickets are just 30 bucks right now. They're on sale as we speak at acwwisconsin.com, acwwisconsin.com. Uh, and then the next night, Saturday, May 21st at the ACW water city wrestling con. You've got Eric Bischoff, Malachi Black, gotta love that Dan Housen, the Godfather, and so many more. Get your tickets to that event at acwwisconsin.com as well. Glad to be out there hanging out with our buddy Dylan, our friend from way back. And uh, of course, everybody's talking about Dallas. We know who the third man is. It's supershowlive.com. It's Jeff Hardy on stage telling his story, plus a whole lot more surprises. And if you can't make it to Dallas, don't worry. Pre order the pay per view right now. You can watch it on any of your personal devices, uh, at supershowlive.com. Uh, he is at E Bischoff. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, you'll see us at ad free shows where you get all of our shows early and ad free. 
And, uh, Eric, you and I've been having some behind the scenes discussions. We're lining up some, uh, ad free shows, insider guests that people thought they would never hear from. Are we not? We are indeed. And it's always fun too, because you get a, a unique perspective. You know, it's one thing to talk to, you know, me or Tony or Jim or people that were kind of in the eye of the hurricane, so to speak. Um, but it's always refreshing to get a perspective from somebody who wasn't necessarily right in the middle of it, of it all, but had a great ringside seat. So always interesting, fascinating. Check it out. It's adfreeshows.com. You can also do a trial. If you haven't already, uh, go check it out. Uh, we'll have it all over our social medias. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. He is at a Bischoff and we'll see you next week right here on 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.